0: Hello. This is Finish Big.
1: This is where you come for all of your Big Finish gossip, scandal, and of course critique.
0: Yes, we are working our way through the Big Finish catalogue, every single release in in order, basically.
1: So far, we have covered the stunning first season of Beneath Summerfield and the less stunning first five releases of the main range. Is it yeah. called the main so, range? Is that what it's called? The Monthly Adventures, I think it might be, technically on the website. I think it started as the main range and then it became yeah. the Monthly Adventures. Because there were so many other ranges. and <laughs> yeah. it's, it's become a long-winded joke now that if you suggest that Big Finish a spin-off three times, it actually will you know pop into existence. I know. They are constantly surprising us. Well, okay. okay. What... Here's a question for you, though. What would you choose as your own Big Finish spin-off. They've pretty much done everything that I
0: can think of, or that, or, or that I want, that I've thought of before. So I would have said Brigadier Bambera, but they're doing that now.
2: And the, other so, one,
1: the number one dotty old ladies detective agency, starring Amelia Rumford from Stones of Blood, Way, Amelia Ducar from <laughs> Seeds of Doom, and... Who, who would, Miss uh, Hawthorne? Uh, Miss Hawthorne! Oh my God! Imagine! Obviously, they'd all have to be played by like different actresses. Mm. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? Consider me oh, no. available for any future assignments, Sir Robert. Of what? <laughs>
0: the
1: Find are there for the fee <laughs> And what is it? Um, in the cause of science, it's our duty to capture that creature, Miss Hawthorne. <laughs>
0: well you wait it will happen it will happen all those combinations that you sort of always think oh i wonder if and then suddenly they just appear in a box set that it's weird isn't it it's we're right at the beginning of the big finish of the the main range you know these first uh, you wouldn't even dream of some of those things happening i wonder when it it's it sort of happened so slowly we haven't really noticed that suddenly it's it's all these you know Peladon box set with the eighth doctor sixth doctor male and and everyone,
1: when did that happen? When did... Well, i tell you what it is, though, right? And, and I I think, like, in Latter-day Big Finish, they have sold out a little bit because there is a little bit of this, like, um, A plus B plus C. River Song plus, I don't know, that Captain Arnold from The Web of Fear, you know, on Peladon. There is a bit of this sort of, like, I, the kind of, like, throwing together these very fanish ingredients and seeing what sticks. And sometimes I think it does... And sometimes I think it doesn't. But it's all just to get, like, sales, isn't it? You know, these these characters you love all coming together. Well, yeah, I mean, and it works because you get... I've seen the news article, and, like,
0: that sounds exciting. I want to hear what well, they sound always... like together. But it doesn't always. When you get it, you buy the box set, and then you're like, oh, actually, it's not as fulfilling, maybe, as some of these early ones.
1: But I think, yeah, I think the, the first 100 main ranges... Oh, I don't know, actually, because I think when the trilogies come in, they are really, really good. But kind of the first 100 is like the golden age. Well, shall I Um, actually you know before I
0: go into what we're talking about today, mm. um, there's something that I have been doing that I will do every couple of episodes. So I was keeping a tally of the actors that Big Finish use. Oh,
1: yes, uh-huh. Nicholas hey. Briggs, 500.
0: So I'll do this every now and then just to see who, who they're using again and again, who's playing different characters. But there are s- slight rules that I just need to to clarify. Oh, <laughs> here we go. That, here we go. You, know.
1: you and your bloody rules.
0: Okay, Taking out the so, novels,
1: taking out audios, read, reading the third person, yeah?
0: Well, okay, just because it will get too complicated. So this is just acting credits, okay? And only for uh different characters so for example lisa bauman is Bernice summerfield and she was also in whispers of terror she's not going to get a a tick every time she's Bernice. she's only got only when she plays a different character so the doctors will only get the one for being the doctor and the companions but if they play other parts they'll get
1: a tick okay like nicholas briggs i know i'm going to get bring it back to nicholas briggs because he does play a lot of parts if he plays okay. a Dalek and if he plays Sherlock Holmes, and that's considered... Yeah. But if he plays a Dalek in, like, 500 stories, like he does, then the Dalek yeah. just counts as one. It just
0: counts as one, yeah. So we're just okay. doing that, okay? okay? Um. So I'm going to do the top three. There's lots of joint win- uh, joints... Please, please places. Please to Joe options on that list, please. Uh, well, uh, well, we're only going by what we've done so far, not today's lot. So in at number three, with two credits so far each, okay. we have... There's quite a long list now. We have Lisa Bauman.
2: Amazing.
0: Uh, Colin
1: McTire.
0: I'm not sure oh, nice. who he is. Colin McTire.
1: I'm sure your CV is very impressive. Of all, chalking up all these big finish credits. Yep. Uh, Sophie Eldred. Uh, 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 yeah. Nicholas Pegg. <laughs> Nicholas Pegg's been twice.
0: Yep. Barnaby Edwards as well. Okay. Stephen Wickham. Oh, that's Joseph. Uh, John Wadmore. I oh, those. Michael Wade. Oh, yeah, he would play two Nazis, yeah. Uh Colin Baker. Amazing. And Andrew Fetz.
1: Andrew Fettes,
0: Fets, whatever. It is. Hang on. So
1: that's yeah. three. Who's number how many? How many for two? Okay. Uh,
0: so the, all of those have two credits each so far. Mm. Uh, and now in at number two, these are everybody that's have three credits so far.
1: Ah, what, what? In ten okay. stories?
0: Yep, so far. So um oh got. Nicholas Briggs, yeah. Alastair Locke. Oh yes. Um, Anthony Keach. Is that Van Sale? Uh, he will be. Yes. Oh no, he is. Yes, and he has been. Uh, so those those are in at number two, and in at number one with four credits so far.
1: Oh my God! Who is Mark Gattis? Oh, he's everywhere. Okay, hang on. He was in. Oh no, no, it isn't. Was was in Sirens of, of Time.
0: Yes, yeah, Sirens of Time. Oh no, it isn't. Just War and Phantasmagoria.
1: Phantasmagoria. Oh my God, he was getting a lot of work back then. Mm. So there we are, it, you know, is down, the um, This is before he, you know League of Gentlemen exploded, and he was busy doing Telebox.
0: Yeah. So I've written down literally all of everybody that's done like. Some oh, <laughs> my
1: so far. oh my God, I'm a, <laughs> bit, I'm a little bit scared by this list. All right. So, Your list, um, you're literally gonna write a list of every fucking actor that's been in every big finish. Yeah, well they, they are gonna recur again and again. So uh, I haven't done you this batch yet. They are frightening me right now, okay?
0: Look, we're here because we're like geeky and we like lists. So welcome everyone. You love it.
1: I ain't that geeky, <laughs> excuse me.
0: All right, well, I'm talking to everybody else that's watching this.
1: I've got a life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway, right I'm going to, I'm going to tell everyone <coughs> oh, The um, five stories That we're going to be Talking about today Like we said From the Doctor Who Monthly Adventures So are we ready? I'm ready The Marion Conspiracy
1: You wicked child How dare you The Genocide Machine um, It's one of the most Clinically brutal acts I've ever had to witness Red Dawn um, I don't have a quote For that one I'm afraid there's always one. There's always one. The Spectral Lanyon Moor. Rifan, you have deserted me.
0: <laughs> and Winter for the Adept.
1: I cannot believe what I am hearing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good quotes from Winter for the Adept. I can't wait till we get to that. <laughs>
1: uh, a man? <laughs> <laughs> Love? Marriage? I cannot believe what I am hearing. <laughs> that was a very strange Scottish accent. You just did. <laughs> That's why you're now actor for Big Finish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to end up on the list, list, am I? No, no, right. no, no. Okay, okay. Well, let's start off then. Really good, really strong five. Well, for me anyway, for this
1: lot. I, I think this is a pretty mixed five, but I think the the the, the Why are you rolling your eyes? You were horrible by the last five. No, I was reasonable. Oh, oh, okay. Well, if it's your opinion, it's reasonable. If it's mine, it's eye roll. Oh, (laughs) get it. We're starting strong. We are starting bloody strong.
0: Okay, so the Marion Conspiracy. Yes. Uh, Here are the facts. This was released in March 2000 and stars Colin Baker and Maggie Stables, making her first appearance as Evelyn Smythe. It also features Nicholas Pegg, Joe Castleton, and Barnaby Edwards. We literally both had an orgasm when we realised that Joe Castleton was in this one.
1: Because neither Uh, one of us was aware. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: And it was uh, written by Jacqueline Rayner, directed by Gary Russell, with music by Alistair Locke. Alistair
1: Locke was busy, wasn't he, during the early stages of Big Finish? Uh, you love alistair lock don't you i think he did de- he delivers terrific music and post-production and actually it, it i'm not saying it like it's terrible when he ducks out of it because david Dallas and people like that come in but he is very good at what he does very good think about oh no it isn't he did that all the post-production for that and it's really really strong so it's great um well there's a Ross- lock All how the post-production designer <laughs>
0: Well, I am going to say, to good
1: Queen Bess,
0: <laughs> as we introduce Evelyn Smythe.
1: Good Queen, uh, what is it? Good Queen Bess. I. <laughs> they all say. Silence. And oh. death to traitors. Death to death traitors. To traitors. <laughs> can, I, can I start with this one? Okay. I think this is extraordinarily good Uh, I think it has something for both you and me you like a nice clean narrative and this is as clean as it gets like it is not overly complicated this is it but it's just really interesting the history is well researched because Jacqueline Rayner who wrote it we both love Jacqueline Rayner didn't we when she was doing the the stories
0: yes this is yeah we love her writing so yeah i love this
1: this is P- Marrow Conspiracy's got jacqueline rainer going through it like a stick of rock in it it's it's um memorable dialogue um great great characters in this like across the board even down to like william leaf and george crow and all of that you know um francis de noai queen mary like all of the characters are really strong but, come on, who who maybe. is introduced within this story? The love of my life, one of my top five companions of all time, across all medias, what's her name?
0: Evelyn Smythe. And it's, so, I mean, so different to our previous Sixth Doctor story, Whispers of Terror, yeah. and so early on to introduce a new companion. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe you've got the gossip on this, I bet. Was it... Colin Baker, as part of the discussion with Colin Baker, to give him a more sort of... Mel- because they could have just carried on with Perry, couldn't they? Or
2: yeah, yeah, wonder why, yeah.
0: why didn't they decide to do that so early on in his, this second release for him?
1: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Him. Don't you think that they decided to give Perry to the Fifth Doctor during mm. this initial run and to give Colin Baker like a new list of life of a new companion? Sim- more sympathetic is the, the way they describe what Jacqueline Rayner's task was in this, to, to write a more... And she was gagging to write for the Sixth
0: doctor. And uh, it's interesting then, but they're not all already, they're not trying to recreate the TV show. No, they've gone no. right off already because they could have done Mellow with Perry mm. in between, you know, before Trial of a Time Lord and made it really nice and done all these adventures. It, I just find it really interesting that they've decided, right, this is a whole new... Different, completely different era for the Sixth Doctor.
1: Well, you didn't really lo- well, you did like Colin Baker in Whistler Attack, but you didn't really like the Sixth Doctor and Perry and that kind of antagonistic relationship. So I'm assuming this is much more your cup of tea.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love Evelyn and I loved her straight away. And actually, this wasn't the first Evelyn story I heard. It was Spectre of Lanyon Moore was actually the first one I heard.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
0: but even in that, I just immediately <laughs> Loved her straight away. And I'm gonna have some chocolate cake in
1: oh, oh. <laughs> mine? I haven't got any chocolate cake.
0: I know, sorry. Sorry. Fish. And she says as well, I haven't done it. This is bought cake. I haven't when I make chocolate cake though. I'm gonna do what she says in this and put real
1: chocolate in the mix and see if that is oh.
0: that's Evelyn's secret. You
1: just know a slice of cake from Evelyn Snive is gonna oh be God. the best cake you've ever had in your life. Like, funny, funny. i mean in those dwm previews they draw her as being like being really fat so she she knows her cake you know she's eating a lot of cake is it good was really good it's a historical story for the sixth doctor which he didn't really get
0: on tv Mark as well I mean, that was it really wasn't I'm it not, not really no this is like more pure historical yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so it's ticking two boxes isn't it it's giving him like a companion that really compliments him in a genre that he never really had so it, it feels so fresh i want to say about evelyn right i really love how they kind of start her off in episode one and she she's the antagonistic one It ain't Colin baker so he's trying to get a word in as he's talking about history and stuff and she's just talking over him again and again to a point where he turns around and goes
3: oh
2: <laughs> it a lot of harm could
3: have been avoided if Elizabeth had come to the throne a few years earlier, you know. Really? Well, as I was saying, just before her coronation, William Cecil said to me, Doctor... The thing is, Elizabeth uh, didn't let personal views come in the way of ruling well. She didn't take a husband because she knew what trouble it would cause, no matter what her personal feelings might have yeah. been. The well, Virgin Queen, duty before men. That's how things should be. Well, now, Mary, on the other hand, nearly plunged the country into war with her insistence on marrying the Spanish chap. But what... Elizabeth certainly didn't take to burning people at the stake just because they had slightly different religious views Yeah, from well, well, that's rather and a s- simplistic view, if you don't mind I certainly so. do mind. I have studied this period in depth for over 30 30- years. Well, I'm sure yeah. Elizabeth will be delighted to hear that you approve. I'm funny. Do
0: my favourite bit, my mouth, but from episode one. God. Da 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 de, de. <laughs> one pull one da 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 da, da. one pull one da, oh, da, yeah. da, da,
2: da.
1: Yes. She goes because my granddad used to say this to me. Um, she goes, "I'll make you some cake if you're good." <laughs> <laughs> She's so good, but almost immediately. It's just a beautiful pairing. Their chemistry is incredible, the two actors. And to this day, Colin Baker still says, like, Maggie Stables was the perfect companion. And she really is. And boy, what a run they have. A run of stories.
0: And she's completely different to Ruth Lee from The Sirens of Time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and, and the oldest companion, up until yeah. that point, as
1: well, they finally did it, and this is Gary Russell again making like you know bold and I think all, like correct creative choices, and he he absolutely wanted an older companion, and you can do it on audio because you don't need to see him running around and things like that, do you? Like you do on the TV show.
0: It's funny though you mentioned that um, the preview comic of her that is not the image of Evelyn that I have; it's Maggie
1: Staples. Well, Maggie Staples on the, the covers of later ones, yes, eventually, eventually. Yeah. I mean, it's weird I think she first turns up on the Sandman. I don't know what they do to her face on that cover, but she's all green and scabby. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as bad as that bloody picture of Ruthley you draw.
0: <laughs> but, um, yeah, this story, yeah, like you said, very uh, linear, very easy to follow. It's Jacqueline Rayner's writing. I think that's what it is. But like energy,
1: there's energy to it, isn't there?
0: It doesn't. I was never bored in this at all. Oh, at okay. all. And, then you know, they're 25 minute episodes not too not overly long yeah uh, great cliffhangers great twists and turns throughout you don't actually need to know the history i wasn't 100 percent sure of mary and elizabeth and all of that
1: but I, um, I did understand afterwards i think i think she oh. very cleanly plots out that period of history mm.
0: so actually this i got this on cassette as well because my cassette or cd i well i had the cd um, but my gran had it on cassette because she listened to audio things and she liked history. Oh, so I got it for no. her for her birthday.
1: Your are
0: <laughs> so Yeah. And my mum liked it as well. Cause they like the history side of it as well. Although she was a bit confused that she was like, who's this doctor? Why is it not Tom Baker? But apart oh. from that,
1: <laughs> Tom Baker is the only doctor, you know?
0: Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, so, Yeah, it was had. I think it's got a wide appeal, and I would definitely, um, if someone hasn't listened to any Big Finish before or even Doctor Who on audio on audio at all, this is one great one to start with because it's got that you know the timey wimey part of it as well. It's got everything in this. (laughs) What is it?
1: (laughs) The Nexus Point. I'll cease to exist.
2: (laughs) 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 That's
1: a great flip-hanger as well, Um, and. There's no cliffhanger or Colin Baker going, you know, you're destroying my mind. Well, no, they're, <laughs> um, in,
0: but they're intelligent cliffhangers that move the story on uh, to the next part. That's favorite. what I like.
1: They're my favorites is is hinges in the narrative rather than moments of jeopardy. And the one of the best cliffhangers ever for Big Finish is where Evelyn goes, You're my great great grandfather. <laughs> That's terrific. And and they they play that out. And then he's just like in the next episode, he's like, Oh, don't be ridiculous. Like <laughs> it's
0: great making Evelyn um a history lecturer as well because when she does go back in time she knows her stuff and she's interested and she's a bit like barbara in a way isn't it but actually done with a bit more interest
1: you know what like, i think the older so my top three companions uh on tv are barbara sarah and donna and they're actually i mean sarah's quite i mean she's a career woman uh, Barbara is an older career woman, and Donna is certainly an older companion as well. So there is something in something about that that I really, really like. Rather than these, you know, Dodo and that young mm-hmm. slip of a girl,
0: but I liked the when she has those, you know, she's got her handbag and she's got the the hot chocolate and the mm-hmm. and the and she's with those characters because she's separated from the Doctor quite early on. So. Like it's a bit like you know, yeah, out of time, and she's got those things. And, um, do you mind? They're some of Mark's and Spencer's <laughs> finest, you know, stuff like that. Is that knickers she's talking about? Yeah, oh, I thought she was talking about tampons. <laughs> no, Mark's and Spencer's don't do tampons, they do like nice underwear, don't they? Uh,
1: well, why has she got spare knickers in her underwear in her bag? Well,
0: that's, that's what women do.
1: I don't
2: think
1: they do it (laughs) I don't carry spare boxes around, just in case you get lucky, You know, Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) I know she packed some things, didn't she, when they were going off, I think she said. She probably, yeah, she was packing in her her flat, wasn't she? So she probably stuffed some in. If you're going off to history, take
1: some underwear. Um, I think that uh, Queen Mary is really well played as well. I think that's a really well played Because for the most part, she's quite sort of gentle and she's kind of sympathetic. And they play, you know, the Doctor's very kind to her and Evening's critical of her, but then meets her and she's very kind to her. And then in episode four, man, she cuts loose and she's evil. You wicked child, how dare you?
0: But it's nice when um, the Doctor goes to the court to attend to her as the Doctor and because you don't the sixth Doctor hasn't had scenes like that he never had that on television where he's that more gentle uh, delegate type of character uh, and uh, I like uh, the relationship between them and that that um sort of speech that he has that, that scene that's the
1: turning point I think that's the real
3: turning point in his character what would you say if I were to tell you that I once destroyed an entire race that I have led friends to their deaths and caused numerous wars. That my intervention has led to peaceful races taking up arms and good people having their faith or reason destroyed. Because I failed to act, millions upon millions of people have been enslaved or killed. What if I had done all those things, but had always, always believed I was doing the right thing?
2: If you were to tell me that, I would say, may God have mercy on your soul.
3: And do you know who that
1: scene is with?
0: Joe Castleton. Oh, it's it's not with the Queen, is it? It's with um, with Lady Sarah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What's it? Then may I I wish God had mercy on his soul.
1: (laughs) I can see why you're not on that acting list, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, Lady Sarah, as played by our favourite, Joe Castleton, Joe Star of Auton, Zygon, oh, and uh, a bit part in, I know it isn't. She <laughs> is outstanding She's in this. She's very good. Yeah, she is really good.
1: Yeah. She's like, your majesty, no, please spare my husband. <laughs> in episode four. She's and you've got all that sort of, um, not who
0: done it, but who is the person that's again. Get- and when I first listened to it, yeah, it's a nice twist, isn't it?
1: In that, the- yeah. Well, I, I see. I, I didn't suspect that the two of them, her and the priest, were in a relationship, and that mm-hmm. she was going to be the one to administer the poison, because they were pointing the finger so clearly at the priest and at Francis de Noailles. Oh, okay, I will just say one yeah. point to go with that accent. Oh, my God. No, your majesty. I will not do this to you. You know, it's very... That's a proper cod French accent, isn't it? They're
0: great actors, though.
1: Mistress Evelyn, Mistress Evelyn. That's Jeremy <laughs> James again.
2: Mm.
1: Oh,
0: he's
2: mm. really
1: cute in this as well. I like the bit where he's doing the zip, you know, and he's so happy to be doing... Yeah.
2: And, um, uh,
0: I- you know, listening to this as well, you can see all of that happening, and it's a smallish cast. Uh, very well realized, only a few sort of locations, you're back and forth. I love when the doctors uh, and Evelyn are trapped in the Tower of London. Oh, that's no, really good. When he jumps
1: in the, the Thames and he's like, Oh, I've I've escaped out of all these places, and then she just laughs at him when he jumps in the water. And you don't you get straight into it. There's
0: enough plot that actually you don't need Evelyn being like, Oh, what's happening? What's going on? She goes straight into the story. She, She's she involved. She there's none of that. That you sometimes get with the first companion about oh I don't believe this or all that kind of stuff. Mm. She's in there with the plot on her own straight away.
1: You know what's you know what's a great really funny scene where um, they're trying to escape the tower and she's going oh pretending <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. got a headache and then when she wants the doctor to save the two that she's gotten to know, she's like oh my headaches are coming back and she's lying through her teeth. <laughs> so that was true. the only
0: bit in terms of the story so you get to part four mm-hmm. and you have all that stuff with the queen uh and the plot is is uncovered and the queen's gonna uh forgive uh lady sarah and all of that and you think it's all wrapped up pretty much straight away that's the beginning of part four and then there's the extra bit where they go back and save the other guys mm-hmm. i don't know i felt like that was i don't know that was the only bit where it just seemed like that was was just sort of tacked on and it was like oh is this just extending the episode a little bit more but no it's worth
1: doing but it just seemed wrapped up too early that's all they say in the big finish book the ending so initially it was quite a bloody ending and all those characters were murdered and the actors so Colin Baker and that said no let's let's save these characters so Jack Rayner kept having to save but it's just going oh god I supposed to be having this real impactful ending and now everyone's surviving but oh I don't know they're really nice characters I don't want to lose them
0: so I I no, it's great it just felt it did I did sense there was some bits sort of tacked on on the end it didn't naturally because you sort of had that that end climax at
1: the beginning of part four for me that's all climax so OK, uh, well, I have some facts about this story, if you would uh, yeah, yeah. If like to hear. Uh, so Jacqueline Rayner was charged with introducing Evelyn and bringing life to a new, more sympathetic sixth doctor. She didn't create Evelyn. Mm. I. Gary Russell gave her like a basic synopsis of the character, but she did have free reign in writing her. OK, and she's quoted as saying Maggie is the female Colin, intelligent, erudite, and well read, mm. why they're well matched. Um, Wendy Padbury was approached to play Mary, but she wasn't. Oh, free. God, I thought you were going to say Evelyn there, and I was no, like, No, Mary. She would have been a good Mary, <laughs> I think, actually. Uh, actually, but, yeah. Because she wasn't free. Um, and she talks about, uh, Jacqueline Rayner talks about like, writing historical characters and how she actually felt a bit uncomfortable writing for real characters because the. Dunno- Denoir, or however you say his name. Denoir. Denoir. Stop. You're talking a French accent more often, honestly. Um maybe we will get you we will. We'll get you on that acting list. Um, <laughs> Um, (laughs) anyway he was a real historical character and she said like when when you're writing dialogue for real people you could be prescribing them motivations that they never had in real life so technically you know you could it could be libelous uh so that's quite interesting also this is the longest and they didn't do it again after this. The longest big finish play to be recorded in a single day. So, this was all recorded in one day, and it's long, you know. So, normally they do it across two, don't they? Mm. So, this, yeah. So, this was the only one where that happened. Wow. I think what? um this is the strongest story of the main range that we've done to date. And it rivals the strongest we listened to in the Bernice first season. And it is Jacqueline Rayner that is involved in this and those. So I think she, at the moment, she is like the top contributor to Big Finish.
0: Yeah. It, you know what, It makes me want to just type in her name on the Big Finish website search and just get everything that she's been involved in because it it's amazing. And yeah, absolutely. This is a classic. This is a Big Finish classic, classic still to
1: this day you'd get doctor and the pirates if you did that you'd get mm. the doomwood cursed mm. um yeah. you get uh, what's it called uh the bernice one with the the grell escape
0: yeah she's done so many good nice. ones but yeah this is we both agree this is absolutely amazing and i put i did a good and a bad. i just put good introduces evelyn and i have not got a bad for this at all
1: oh my god i put good evelyn is beautifully characterized and obviously i was trying to do just one this time and bad i put as an audio i think this is practically perfect yeah i think so wow
2: there we go
1: we can agree it's amazing
0: we can, well no this is just so amazing i i don't know what you can complain about i do not know what you could not like
1: now, um, now the next story we're talking about, yeah, I listened to in about fifteen segments because I struggled. Whereas the Mary, wait, wait, the Mary conspiracy, I listened to in one go. That's how good it is. I listened to the whole thing.
0: Okay, so this uh, is the genocide machine up next. Now I really like this one. So let's show. I just here we go. The I facts are. Do.
1: It's like a Pertwee's Dalek story. Of course you love it.
0: So this was released in April 2000, uh, starring Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Eldred, uh, also featuring Louise Faulkner and Nicholas Briggs, as the Daleks, obviously. Um, Written by Mike Tucker, directed by Nicholas Briggs, with music by Nicholas Briggs. Wow,
2: Nicholas
1: Briggs is busy.
0: So now these next few have very special uh i suppose memories you know when we've talked about on our podcasts and stuff when you first watch a tv doctor who story and you had there's certain ones that are like take you right back to when you first watch them or you they're your favorites because of whatever reason when you first watch them that's the same with big finishes for me there's ser- there's releases that oh, when i first sure. listened, to yeah, them yeah absolutely like, yeah yeah so the, the genocide machine Uh, was the first sort of signing that I ever
1: went to to meet Sophie Eldred. wow. So... is that? My God. Look look at that cover compared to Land of the Dead. That's way better, isn't it? It's really good. And
0: so I had got the Sirens of Time in the post. Mm. And then this was the next one I actually got. I went to the signing and got this. Uh, So there's Sophie Eldred. She's written it sideways for some reason. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She's quirky. Just looking inside (laughs) as well, I have to say, I've got for Some reason got Jason Hay Gallery, <laughs> uh, is it Alistair Locke? Alistair yeah. oh Locke my
2: God, Alistair. And, and
0: exterminate from Nicholas Briggs. Oh, and I remember that because yeah. they were at the uh, this was a 10th planet signing, uh, and there I was going along. And I remember Nicholas Briggs was like, Oh, have you got the others? I was like, No, just the first one. He was like, Oh. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> but then I went,
0: one. but then I listened to this over and over again because it was one of the only other ones that I had, and I hadn't got on well with the Sirens of Time. So this one is always my go-to. Get into bed and just listen. And I, didn't know I, I, I really, really away. enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> get into <laughs> so, bed. With the genocide machine.
0: Yeah, and it was also built as. Um, Dalek Empire part one.
1: Yeah, that worked for me this time because you could really tell this was like the first part of their plan. And obviously it all goes wrong because it's the Daleks and it always fucking goes wrong. Mm. You think they'd stop, right? You think they'd just go, well, look, nothing ever works out. Why don't we just stop trying to take over the universe or Karsherat or wherever they are this week? So you've got um,
0: this one. So you've got Genocide Machine part one and then a story for each of the other doctors building this dalek empire What's the next one so then it's the apocalypse element like mutant Doctor. phase Perfect. and then time of the daleks so that's yeah, the yeah. for the other doctors and then that sort of leads into when they launch the spin-off dalek empire so then you don't need to listen to them uh to understand anything they're not really that much linked there's just some extra background stuff because i think in this one where they're um trying to get the information from the library there's mention of that or something in Dalek Empire that sort of gives them an idea or, or the defeat of this Makes them do something in Dalek Empire. That's all. It's just some extra background stuff. Obviously, you've got the Daleks back
1: officially for the
0: first yeah, time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they sound a bit. It's interesting because there is a fact that they they did a, a specific ring modulation for the Dalek voices, mm. and then and then in episode three when they were recording that they couldn't get the same one again. And if you listen to this, the Dalek voices change between episode oh. two and episode three, and episode three is where it sounds like the Nick Briggs like normal ones. But the early ones, they kind
2: of sound a
1: bit like that and a bit angry. Well, so I'm going to tell you something that's going to stun you rigid. Okay. Because I really didn't get on with this. And like when I eventually talk about uh, my Doc Ojo Reviews uh, review of this, I think I gave this a 3 out of 10. Oh, my so I God. really didn't get on with this back then. I quite enjoyed it this time. Now, I'm not going to say it was spectacular because I just don't think Mike Tucker has it in him to write particularly stunning dialogue. And I think dialogue is really important. And it is literally like here come the, the cliches, like Karsha ratan rain on my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: yeah, I agree. The dialogue is a bit is functional. a bit off
3: it,
1: maybe better.
0: it doesn't want any plants growing on it
1: <laughs> <laughs> It gets really grumpy in the first episode with uh, El- yeah. Engin or whatever his name is Elgin, Elgin for
2: no yeah. reason
1: whatsoever and it is all a bit a bit functional but <clears throat> the sound design is terrific in this mm. this is like all the jungle sounds it's kind of like, whack, 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 like noises in the jungle like really really atmospheric
0: the oh, with the rain and stuff and like <gasps>
1: Rebel. yeah Rebel. and i thought Rebel. nicholas briggs's music was really good as well so all the production i thought was really really good um yeah so i've got to say oh yeah we'll give it a three now i'll probably give it like a six or something like that but that's a that's double the points mm-hmm. you know like that's that's quite a shift
0: well i don't think it's regarded as a classic classic but i really like it because you know that I love a Terry Nation and a Terry Nation part one. Oh, this yes. Does, this is a very Terry Nation stuff. You know, you've got your jungle, you've got your doctor and companion investigating. Yep. You've got a, a robot duplicate. Yep. You've got a Tarrant,
1: Bev Tarrant. Tarrant. yeah. And the first appearance no. of Bev Tarrant, who would go on to play a massive role in Bernie's. I mean, who would even see that coming? Well, yeah, and,
0: okay, We'll talk about Bev Tarrant, because it, it's, a sm- again, another small cast in this. You've really got yeah. Bev Tarrant and Elgin and well, the Daleks. Thought,
1: well, I'm, excuse me, and Catalog of Prink, who never shut well, up. Well, that's the joke anyway. I think
0: that's a real... That, isn't that clever for, yeah, for audio, where they're always talking, and you maybe hear just sort of like a... Ah,
1: well, no, or and it's paid off because then he he eventually says, "Get out of my library" or something like that in episode four, <laughs> doesn't it, You know, <laughs> which I thought was really nice.
0: But it's re- yeah, I I really enjoyed that, and yeah, I j- I don't know, it just captured my imagination. This one, I can see the jungle exactly like the Spyrodon jungle, but dark with rain and. Oh no! I
1: saw it as like um as like uh like something from a movie, like a proper Brazilian jungle with like this great. Ziggurat pyramid in the middle and all of that.
0: When I was see, when I was young, I didn't know what a ziggurat was, so I couldn't really imagine it.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> me, last week, you didn't know what a ziggurat was. We had this
2: conversation.
0: And you also have a turn about uh, the classic from Planet of the Daleks, our our Emperor oh, Dalek there, as well the Supreme.
1: And you so... know, what was great? in episode four, when the Emperor Dalek was like, "You have fucking failed." Oh, sorry. Uh, The voice is lower than that. You (laughs) have fucking failed! Self destruct! And he's like, ah! (sighs) I always Mm. love it when Dalek's bitch is the best. Yeah.
0: But I I love love the idea as well of the hidden library behind this waterfall.
1: The idea is beautiful.
0: beautiful. And
1: I love Sylvester McCoy's anger when he realizes that because um, in the Karshat library they're using uh, wet works. Um, Mm. Sorry. That can be something very different, <laughs> um, and so there's information in the water. So the entire collective knowledge of the universe is in this water. But it turns out the water is life forms, and mm. and they're being enslaved to this information system. And then there's a terrific twist that the Daleks actually want this information water. To be like imbued inside a a special Dalek mutant, so then Mm. they would have access to all of the information of the universe, and that would make them invincible because knowledge is power. Mm. And didn't that Dalek sound amazing?
0: It was great, yeah, all of it, and the and the um, Dalek control room sounds, and that sort of at the end of some of the dramatic scenes, that sort of kind of noise. Did you get that?
1: No.
3: Oh do come you on, know, you know what I mean. You love it when they turn that garlic on.
1: When they turn that Dalek on and you was like, I got I got I get Hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this was way better than I remembered. Um unfortunately there is a massive con though. What's that? It's Sophie or John, I'm afraid. Sophia. Hang on, like, hang on. Okay, okay. Here. Oh my Hang word. on. Right, okay.
0: I know, I was ge- well I was going to just ask you why was this so low the first time around? Was it just the dialogue? I think Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Eldred are great in this and I'll get to it when I get to my chronology but yeah, they're playing the younger, the earlier when they're not that New Adventures version of the Doctor and Ace from mm-hmm. the Fear Manga yeah. this could easily go into season 25 even, I think the way that, and it all does depend on how Sophie
1: Eldred plays Ace. Well yeah, but it is a fact, right, that and it's it, it almost universal, this fact, OK, that the okay. second you ask any actor or actress to play like an evil version of them or like, a, I don't know, a, a, a robot, they, they suddenly talk in a monotonous voice. And, oh, God, it's just awful. When but,
2: she's...
0: no, but actually... Um... She is a dialect duplicate. That's what it would be like. Have you seen the chase? They don't make duplicates very well. It's supposed to be obvious, so we, the audience, know. But also, <laughs> don't
1: you go make It's for her acting.
0: Hang on, no, no, no. But when she first is uh, found in in the jungle, and they get her, and yeah, it's very subtle to begin with, because we know, well, we sort of know that there is a duplicate. When the doctor's like, "Is you sure?" There's, you know, he he knows. Alrighty. <laughs>
2: Oh, I'm fine.
3: Perhaps we ought to get to the medical computer to give you a quick check-up. Honestly, doctor, I'm
2: all right. Don't fuss. All right.
3: What happened out there, Ace? What attacked you?
2: I, I I'm not sure. Some animal. Something
3: from the forest. Are you sure? Of course, I'm sure. An animal, not a Dalek. No. Lucas. I think you should rest here just for a while. I'll look in on you later. Come on, Elgin.
0: I still want to have a look outside. I think she does it very well then. And then when it's duplicate later on with the sort of treated voice a little bit. Yeah, of course, she plays monotonous because that's what it is. And and that's I don't have any problem with that. It's not Sophia. She's acting. It's not her lack of acting. She is acting as a duplicate, as a bad duplicate. Oh, I think you're mad but okay <laughs>
1: it won't be the <coughs> it won't be the first and last time that we disagree on the point uh, okay yeah I would say I would never really put Sophie Aldred and subtle in the same sentence uh,
0: okay the <laughs> angsty stuff at the beginning I think that's more of the script than her as well uh, uh, yeah
1: she's only playing what she's got like you know yeah. like you either are 100% behind that character and the actress or you're not. And mm-hmm. I'm
2: just mm-hmm. not.
1: And I just I think she does then, a bit on audio. He's great though. And you know what surprised me is I've always thought Sylvester McCoy was like the weakest big finish doctor. And I think there are moments coming out that regenerate things like that, you know, wherever I lay my hat. Dorothy McSheeney. Over
0: here, here he's very good, you know. Laboring books. I don't remember having any labouring books. But
1: he gets <laughs> angry when he gets angry Mm. and it's very different from the fear where he was like he brought it really down and menacing and then here he just starts but usually when he's angry it ain't great I thought he was terrific when he was angry in this.
3: What have they been doing? The librarians have been capturing the Karcheritans, wiping their minds clean, and implanting data from their library. My God. Oh, this one of the most clinically brutal acts I've ever had the misfortune to witness. Oh, Doctor, you have
0: no idea. I have every idea. Now shut up, Doctor. But then Mike Tucker writing, he knows The Seventh Doctor and Ace very, very well, well uh, from some video, of his novels.
1: He wrote... Uh, uh, illegal Alien. alien. Matrix... Storm, uh, Harvest. Storm, Storm Harvest. Storm and, Harvest and Loving the Alien. Yeah. Which like, you know, they're mixed books, but they know the characters. And obviously he worked with the pair of them on TV as well.
0: But these this is the TV version of them. Uh, and you can <laughs> tell that very well in the way that they act. I think that's great. And I really like Bev as well. I think she's, she's really, great.
1: <clears throat> she's really good, but the best is yet to come with that character. And I, don't, I think it's not really when Mike Tucker writes her, but when she really thrives. Uh, and Louise Faulkner... Who I think is a little wooden here, maybe, like when she moves on to Bernice and she's playing <coughs> like Bev in the Braxitel collection, she's really good
0: and it's nice to have that character that then goes on to something else in this in this yeah. time i I like that idea oh let's just talk we've had this conversation, mm-hmm. so you have Bev okay on the planet with Rapel who late who gets killed right then she's got okay. And then you've got G84 or whatever it is, the computer, right? Which I I feel really really... sort of sad. Could you visualize all this?
1: Could you visualize I couldn't really visualize all this?
0: Yeah, okay. So this is what I'm trying to say. So you've got, in my mind, right? You've got Bev, who sort of looks a bit like, in my mind, she looks like Sam Jones from the Eighth Doctor. (laughs) Books, which is weird, and then so rappel is in sort of in my mind is in like a grey sort of boiler suit, very Blake seventy Terry Nationy, and then you've got G eighty four, which is like that uh, little drone thing, which looks a bit like BB eight type thing in my mind. I have a BB eight, and then Tika is like Chewbacca (laughs) because all you can hear is uh, 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 no Tika, look out. Oh that's, that's the crew that lands on Karshrat in my mind, and it's amazing crew. And I want to see a spin-off with them.
1: Big finish. He's ready for an audition
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> with Prink and with uh, Tika as well. You don't have, a, you know, they just they don't have lines. So you don't need a whole other actor for that. You can you fill it out bit by bit just with these extra extra things. It's very clever, I think.
1: Is it Engin or
0: Elgin? Elgin,
1: I thought he was a real I mean, like it's very broadly written and very over <laughs> the top. But I thought the actor was really good,
0: yeah. So, this um, Bruce Montague, I don't know if he's done anything else or I don't know his I other. Think he
1: has another oh. big finish, actually, it's a name I recognize, but yeah, he's he, he was very good. Um, so uh, uh, can I tell you my goods and bads for this one? Can yes, please. Sorry, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, I put good, great setting, sound design um an unusual dalek plan which is that's quite novel actually because usually i <laughs> just want to take over or murder people <clears throat> sylvester mccoy again i have just put in brackets surprising <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh that's all i've got for good for bad i've put cliches duplicates i know you're going to say that's a good thing functional dialogue some confusing action and some weird Dalek voices at the beginning.
0: Okay. Well, for the good, I've got the yeah, the sound design and the atmosphere that's created with the with the with the rain. I love it. I love a rain. I can listen to AMSR like rain on in a in a forest sort of thing. I love that kind of thing. Um, um and the bad, are yeah, I've put some of the dialogue and a little bit too much. I'm not always fond of, although I love a Terry Nation story, I'm not always fond of lots of Daleks talking to each other for a long time. There's a little bit of this, but not too much.
1: They're quite distinct, I think. Like <clears throat> it's either the Dalek, uh Dalek Emperor, the Supreme Dalek, the drones, or like the, the Wetworks Dalek. So they've all mm. got kind of different voices. Yeah, it's they, not so finished stories is worse when there's loads of Dalek, and they all just sound like Nicholas Bricks and I get very confused.
0: Yeah, that's why that's what I don't like. But yeah. um even I think listening to this way back then as the first Dalek story I've heard, maybe that just took it out of it. But I really love this still. I love this.
1: Can um, I delight and hope you with some delicious facts?
0: Oh, tell the me the gossip. Here we go.
1: So Tucker wanted to present a da- <clears throat> sorry, a Dalek story like we haven't seen since John Pertwee's time. Perfect. He even says, very old-fashioned and traditional. Hence the Daleks at the end of episode one and a character called Taron. Yeah,
0: everything that I want.
1: Basically, yeah, you just want Planet of the Daleks part two. Yeah, And yeah. so do I. We'd, with Daleks and a jungle, win.
0: Exactly. They yeah. do yeah. it again a couple Usually of times, if all we had, if we had a couple of spirodons in there, oh. amazing.
3: Imagine the sounds of that.
1: You know, It'd Be amazing. Um, okay. And what else have we got here? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, okay. So they say the nation estate was wonderful. They had script approval and clearance on the stories. But, um, but you know, because there are stories of the nation estate, like, you know, fighting for stronger fees or refusing altogether. But Gary Russell says they were actually very amenable. Um Let's see. Tucker was offered the Daleks on a plate, i.e. they didn't consider anyone else for writing this first Dalek story. It was given straight to him. I think because I... Like, and he literally says he was staggered to be offered. So I think that's really nice. He got to, like, fulfil his wish,
0: you know. But that sounds really surprising now because Nicholas Briggs is so... The Daleks and writing the Dalek. This is before that happened, though. This was there was a time when he wasn't the voice of the Daleks and he wasn't really anything to do with the Daleks very much. Uh it just seems such a different world
1: to what it is now. I've got a fact here that might surprise you. Originally the story featured Bernice. Oh yeah. And so I can see that's Bev. It Was supposed to be a bit more new adventuresy, and actually, they decided to go for early Doctrine Ace, so that's interesting. Oh, one of the original um titles for this, like because there were loads of other titles, was The Wetworks Experiment, which I thought was like a filthy porn, so obviously, I didn't do that. (laughs) Um, Gary Russell played one of the Daleks initially, and they kept trying to treat his voice and all sorts because it just weren't working out. He listened to it back. And he's quoted as saying it's crap replace me so I wow. you know I will talk about Gary Russell being very critical of the scripts because they say this quite a lot actually he will be critical of himself as well and you know removing himself from a production I think that's smart um yeah and just and then just the fact about how they lost the sound modulation that they had in episodes one and two so they did a different one in episode three and four but do you know what like this was this was Perfectly listenable, I did enjoy this good I'm glad so if if nothing else in this entire journey of the big finished library that we're going on, I enjoyed the genocide machine far more than I did back in the day.
0: Well, we should then now do our drawing of the episode, which oh, we yes. so, as we said before, Prink <laughs> is referred to and talked to throughout the thing but you never hear him speak so he's the assistant in the library and we were wondering well okay what does he look like what is how do you imagine him looking like because i mean elgin is elgin isn't it elgin i imagine is sort of this older you know your your typical librarian character but prink is could be anything and anyone yeah.
1: So, I have a very specific um, idea of what cataloger prink looks like, plus a few extras in my drawing as well. Okay, so do I.
0: So, who's going to go first?
1: Well, I think I went first the first time. You went first the second time. I'll go first, third time. Okay. We'll go back. Okay, and okay so here is my cataloger prink. Oh, okay. Wow. Cataloger prink has got an enormous nose. <laughs> right, and he's carrying some lovely books.
0: Oh, they're books, right? They look like and here
1: bridge. is is a waterfall, and he's on a bridge, right. and these are kashiratans. That's why they've all got faces. They're they're the life forms that are living inside the water.
0: Oh right, okay, yeah, I can okay. see that. Okay, that is.
1: And they're really completely. happy. I don't know why. I don't know why McCoy so unhappy because they look—they're really happy. The Kasha out. They're, <laughs> they're really happy.
0: happy in their waterfalls. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that is completely not what I imagined it to be like. Can we, can we
1: compare like and contrast them?
0: Okay, so my cataloger prank is, is look is well, he's quite short. <laughs>
1: My God, what the <laughs> fuck is
0: that? <laughs> so I imagine he's sort of like a little dwarf-type person.
2: terrifying!
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? He looks like the Grask. Well, yeah, he's sort of like a small little person that they all sort of shout and look down on.
1: As ever, um, Mark, we are completely in sympathy That is,
0: that is the... Biggest contrast we've had so far. I mean, where, where, why the nose?
1: Where does the nose come from? Well, I don't know. I just imagine him having this long nose. Well, there we go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, I think Rufly might have been our biggest contrast. I drew a warthog <laughs> and you drew Maggie Stables in a leather bikini. They're the most similar so far, <laughs> right?
0: Oh, dear, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, okay, we well, are. moving on. Let's go on to our next release then, Red Dawn. So this was released in May 2000, starring Peter Davison and Nicola Bryant, also starring Robert Jezek, Georgia Moffat, and Stephen Fuel, my favourite. This was also directed by Gary Russell, with music by... Alistair Locke, he's composing like crazy at the moment, isn't
1: he? Unfortunately, for once, you are wrong. This is the first score by Russell Stone. Are you sure? Excuse me, can you get that cover off the wall, please? Come on. And you tell me who's the music by, please, Mark. Come on. Yeah,
0: okay. Music by Russell Stone. OK.
1: And you know what? I think, actually, the, the music is the best thing about this story. I think it's a terrifically authentic 80s score but quite modern as well i know. I, I listen i bought those music from the new adventures cd's i listen to this score over and over. i can actually sing the score to this mm. you ready okay. do, do, all right. do 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 <laughs> but i know i know the music to this really really well Whoa. okay well this
0: one uh red dawn again i went to the signing of this one uh-huh. and um it's really funny because this was may 2000 mm-hmm. and you've got the red cover and it, i remember it being a really really hot day and okay. i think i got like heat stroke or something and i felt really really it was boiling hot burnt, and so i always associate this with heat and just a lot of sun and heat and everything. And it's quite funny that everything, they're all like, oh, it's really cold. And they're very short episodes, this one. This was, yeah. is not like amazing, amazing classic. And I know, I don't think you're that fond of it, um, but it's okay. It's okay. This one.
1: So back in the day, I kind of thought this was a bit average. Actually, I enjoyed this one a little bit more this time as well, and I think it had something to do with the fact, like you know, our, our low point in the last one was Land of the Dead, you know, mm. and this was way better than that.
0: Oh, um, absolutely, and we've got Perry now with the Fifth Doctor. Uh, oh, again, I worked. would say, yeah, they're making some cool. unusual choices, maybe depending on actor availability or what the, who they've got, and maybe things got swapped around a lot. Uh, know, but it's no, interesting I, to go down that route with the Fifth Doctor and Perry. It's not your obvious choice
1: i think that was a deliberate creative choice to bring these two together and see what they can do with it because they certainly do a hell of a run with the fifth doctor and perry especially when Rom comes along
0: i prefer this perry to the whispers of terror perry that we had with the sixth doctor she does a lot more in this and she's a lot more independent in this i liked i liked nicola bryant in this yeah, and she yeah. sounds exactly like she did on tv here amazing
1: oh. Like I, I have to say though, I do prefer like uh, like my ultimate Perry. It's the best one that she does with Colin Baker, like ish, like the Reaping and the episodes like that. With they're really really strong stories. But that's your right. more
0: independent Perry that settled down a bit. And here I felt she was written quite strong.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yeah. I think Justin Richards always gets his regulars right, no matter yeah. how good or bad the story is. And it's the same with the books as well. He always like, he wrote um, a sixth Doctor and Perry novel called Grave Matter, which is mm. a really, really good novel, like a proper old Gothic uh, horror, like a Tom Baker-ish style story. But they're really strong in it. Um, so,
0: yeah. But I think um, Peter Davison is neither amazing or not great. He's just sort of
1: average. Yeah, really. I thought he sounded a, a, just a tiny bit bored in this one, actually. A quick fact, um, he specifically asked for his daughter, Georgia Moffitt, to be involved in this. So he kind of uh, is quoted as saying, uh, If you ever get a chance for my daughter to be in one of these. So I think maybe that was a little sweetener. But then Gary Russell says she came in and just blew everyone away. Now, I don't think it's it's a stunning performance, if I'm honest. It's it's perfectly adequate. It's okay.
0: Well, no one's amazing, amazing in this. And I do include my favourite, Stephen. Uh, Jason okay. Frewell in that as well. Just, no one just goes goes above and stands out. Something like, you know, Maryn Conspiracy, everybody is very memorable and you can quote them and you can really you know their part in the story. Here, everyone's just a bit
1: I think there's one
0: showing through it.
1: I think there's one like sterling performance in this and that's Matthew Brenner as the Ice Lord. I think he sounds just like alan benyon from monster of peladon and uh seas of death he's really good
0: he is good Am i i was going to say actually though the ice warrior sound is a less
1: hissy than yeah. they are on tv yeah
0: but you probably a bit of a with, it, though,
1: with their hissy voices
0: but then i think later on when they do ice warriors they are a bit more hissy uh, here it it doesn't it didn't conjure up the ice lord or whoever ice warrior in my mind, so much because it sort of just sounds like someone just talking a little bit slower than usual, He kind than of Like, talks like that,
1: doesn't he? Yeah. Yes, Alexia, whatever his name is. Mm. <laughs> you, and, you have acted with honor. I go off to the dawn of Mars. Yeah, and
0: and oh. the story and it was very good. <laughs> um, and the storyline is. Is okay. Well, the Dr. and Perry are on Mars. You've got this NASA thing happening. And um, it's okay. There's a lot of capture yeah. back and forth. Perry's off on the ship on her own.
1: I, I put uh, one of my might. like one of
0: my bad things is there's just not enough
1: incident. There's not enough things happening in this. Yeah.
0: And they're very short episodes. One's like 18 minutes. I think the longest is like 24.
1: Oh, I don't object to that. I do not object to that at all. No, I don't. I, don't think... But
0: I, I think it shows that there's not enough story
1: oh yeah true yeah 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 so maybe they've condensed it out but uh justin richard says um that he's he started off writing this quite complicated and then he kept simplifying it and he's very honest in this. he said he maybe simplified it too much so there just wasn't enough going on and instead you have all these talk about like um ice warrior history and mythology and and you know uh, they reminded me of the Klingons from Star Trek. They're going on about honour all the time, you know?
0: That's what the Ice Warriors ended up turning into, very Klingon-esque. And later on, that happens again in the key two-time ones with the Ice Warriors. That They go very Klingon-y there, I think. I'm not really interested in any of that stuff.
1: And I have to say, I put as another one of my bad things, just the characters were a bit dull. I just found all the characters a bit dull in this, yeah. <laughs> in contrast with something like The Mara Conspiracy, where, where they were all vivid and they really came alive all the, they they were kind of good and they served the plot and things like that but i don't know um and you know like, the twist about georgia moffat's character like having Tanya, yeah yeah i alien DNA blood or dna put somewhere yeah. I, like, I was like what is this you know but everything
0: it's sort of all the whole thing just revolves really around that twist I'm and pissed. it's not that well, it is just one twist, yeah, and you that it feels like the whole thing has been going, and then you get to there and you're like, Oh, okay, you
1: know what was good though? I, there was one thing I really liked, and uh, I really liked all the cliffhangers in this, I thought they were really strong. Oh, no, no, yeah. that, no, three to
0: four is the worst. What's that? Where one? um, Paul Webster's about to shoot the doctor, and he's like, Right now, it's time, and then then you go to the beginning of Ephesus four, and he's like, Right now, it's time, I'm gonna kill you now. End of episode And then the beginning Of episode four He's like Right I'm going to kill you In a minute Anything else to say Oh actually no I'm not going to kill you No let's carry on
1: That's That was the worst Cliffhanger In contrast then Episode one Where the Ice Warriors Come to life And start smashing out of The I really love that
3: Perry, Can you hear me I think you should Stay over on the mem For the moment What is it What's going on over there Just stay put Everyone Stay where you are oh no good grief of course we're on mars i should have realized doctor what are they ice warriors
0: okay yeah it's a it's good moment but okay i suppose we know as the audience that it is the ice warriors i felt like it took the doctor way too long he's on mars Mars. (laughs) there's ice the people in the ice he still doesn't realise until later on and he does oh I should have realised that's like his catchphrase I I swear Big Finish always say oh I should have realised but yeah it takes him so long to realise
1: that I just think I love the music in this because at the end of episode 2 the music's
3: really good again what are you going to do? they are approaching escape velocity target acquired weapon systems locking on Weapons systems? I thought this was a tomb. It's a warrior's tomb. And our warriors defend themselves. This isn't the way. Believe me, I can't let you... I warn you, Doctor, do not interfere. Sar, listen to me, please. You have to stop this. Target locked. No! Fire!
0: okay maybe you like the music rather than the actual script yeah, I, think I, the
1: think, I think i listened to the score more than the story
0: <laughs> and the, the score is great but it there's still lack of atmosphere in this because you could have had something really creepy you've got and actually i think to, um things are sped up um they're on the planet and then suddenly they're up in space or then perry's up in space um and then they're Back down on the planet, because that guy at the beginning goes out to see the anomaly and then he's back again, then he's back out again. And um, there's not there could have been some really creepy atmosphere of yeah, really exploring true. True. and and the danger of Perry being trapped up in in the spaceship around Mars as well could have been done really well, but it just wasn't it was just taken everything was just taken for granted like that. They could have just all been sitting around in, on Earth around a kitchen. It didn't matter if they're in space or <laughs> in-house there was no great, it didn't right.
1: make any difference in um the eighth doctor range they do demos and resurrection of mars so that's a nice story set on mars and it's excellent by especially the second half um, so it just goes to show they can do this mm. but it just needs a bit more substance um, i've got some facts if you'd like to hear them go ahead, uh, Justin Richards says uh, he decided to play it safe and have Georgia Moffitt play a fifteen year old because she did sound young um and just just how she she came in and impressed everybody uh this was Russell Stone's audition piece, and he said, and I think this is astonishing that because he didn't get the dialogue edit till really late, so that's what happens is you get the dialogue that they've recorded, then you do the music to it that he wrote the music without the dialogue in it. Um, and then just, and it and it, it suits it so perfectly. I, I can only think that he was saying the script out loud as he was, you know, doing his music. Uh, but it, yeah. And um, Justin Richards says he was going to call two of the Ice Warriors, Sonny and Coldenis, who played oh. the
2: Ice Warriors. In the, oh, but Gary so Russell that.
1: vetoed that idea and said, no yeah. way. But Gary Russell says, because this, this was the first big finish whose reputation bombed. So this came out and fan reaction to it was really bad. Um, and Gary Russell turns around and says, I don't think Red Dawn is anywhere near as bad as what people say it is. However, that he, as a producer of Big Finish and a director, he does not always make Doctor Who for himself. So he basically says... He's produced stuff that he wouldn't enjoy listening to because he likes it to be diverse and this is his cup of tea and not everyone else's. I didn't think this was terrible actually. I i thought this skipped along and it was perfectly adequate, if never exceptional. No, it it's okay.
0: It's all right. It's way better than Land of the Dead. This, as I say, this is the one I have to listen to when I'm sunbathing. I don't know why. <laughs> I just have to listen to this one <laughs> in hot weather. If I listen to it in hot weather, brilliant amazing uh i don't know what I,
2: mean. uh, but I don't know the ice warriors don't
0: always interest me i think it is that that honor and all of that talk and everything with the ice warriors that's what gets it down um, i like that they were
1: good in this and cooperative for- yeah that's that's not i always like it with the ice warriors i thought it was quite interesting that um, they were trying to create these earth warriors but that's what Mm, um stephen fuel's villain is up to isn't it he they're they're trying to (laughs) they're trying to like inject like um ice warrior dna into people and create like but i don't think it really went anywhere it was an interesting idea but it didn't really go anywhere so no this is okay you know this is our okay one of this batch yeah absolutely yeah
0: um, and they're bringing back old monsters as well. This is when they start to come in. They've had we've had the Daleks, now the Ice Warriors. It's all starting to. How
1: long is it before we had the Side Men? Then
0: is it sort of Orion? I think yeah, it's sort of Orion. Yeah, it's got a little while. God,
1: it's fucking terrible that story. What a
0: terrible! Anyway, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Okay, so it's on to the next release. Uh, we did have a little bit of a break in between uh, that last one and this one because. I'm sorry, I needed a drink. Nothing gets between me and my Horlicks, I have to say. So we had to have a little break.
1: So here we are back again.
0: Well, you must have had a
1: fucking long Horlicks, because I've had a haircut since then.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Horlicks, the next release is The Spectre of Lanyon Moor. So. Da, da, da,
1: da, 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 knit one and one. I'm singing that because that's, that's what I'm going to sing every time it's an evening story.
0: Okay, well, here we go. So, The Spectre of Lanyon Moor was released in June 2000, starring Colin Baker and Maggie Stables, guest-starring Nicholas Courtney, Susan Jameson, and James Bolam. Good cast. Written by Nicholas Pegg, directed by Nicholas Pegg,
1: with music by Alistair Locke, your favourite. We've both been pegged by Nick in this, you know. We are pegged right up with this release. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Don't get that face. He might be really pretty. You never know. So,
0: this one is, again, an amazing, amazing. This is a classic for me.
1: I don't think this is quite as good as The Marrow Conspiracy. I think it's better. Oh controversial. Why is this better than the Marion Conspiracy?
0: This has got everything. This is more my I I mean I love Marion Conspiracy, and it's the historical, that's pure historical, but this has all the extra Doctor Who elements. It's and it's really interesting for a Sixth Doctor story, they're doing the sort of country village, sort of oh, spooky, bit terror for zygons. This reminds me of. And you've got the Brigadier in there. And it's something that the Sixth Doctor never had on TV. And it's it just hits all of those sort of classic points that uh, a traditional Doctor Who story has.
1: I mean, and also it. It has, the biggest selling point for this was Sixty and the Brigadier. Like, that is what if everyone's gonna go to this release, that's the reason people are gonna go to this release. And I'm glad
0: they ticked that box early on, because the only other time that is the an time, Sixth our Sixth Doctor- favorite. The Sixth Doctor and the Brigadier Met was Dimensions in Time. And you know what? Go on. We should show a clip of, of that moment uh. from our Dimensions in Time.
1: <laughs> I'm finding it difficult to keep up with you these days,
0: Doctor. Some other time, eh, Brigadier? Alas, I must find my young
1: friend. Good luck to you, old, uh, old man. Some other time, Brigadier! I must, buy- Last.
0: <laughs> I must find my young friend that was the that was the only time that they 'd met before, so i 'm so glad they they managed to do this and again so it 's the next Evelyn story as well, so she mm-hmm. 's brilliant in this too, and it also has um I went to the signing of this one as well, so it's got again it 's got that nostalgia for me because i 've got in here signed by so we 've got.
2: Oh, I've got Maggie
0: Stables. You mean
1: Maggie Stables.
0: Oh, I met Maggie oh. Stables there. I think I've got. Who's that? Oh, Helen Helen Goldwin. Mm-hmm. Nikki Hunter, my favourite character from this. <laughs> uh, Nicholas. Ooh, Nicholas Peg, oh, Nicholas Pegg, Barnaby Edwards and it. Toby Longworth. Nicholas so. so, was he hot? Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Pegg. He was nice, I was not going to say Oh my god, that is damning Was he hot? Oh, I,
2: mean, was nice.
0: I don't remember, I was like 13 or 14 when I met him I wasn't like, oh, oh my god, oh you're god. hot is that, like, is that that bony, whiny Wiry mark I keep talking about Yeah, I'm not going to Anyway, let's just <laughs> What are you even talking about? And then I got Colin Baker to sign the front very recently And I said to him, I was like classic And he was like,
1: yeah uh, Well, I have a uh, thrilling fact about this story this was not supposed to be a 6 story at all oh this was oh, you don't know this no well hold on to your hat then because you're in for a bumpy ride this was part of a trio of stories that were presented to tom baker this started out as a tom baker and sarah jane script and was doctored to be the sick doctor and even so what happened was gary russell said he wanted to give tom baker three different types of script a very traditional script that's this uh, you know atmospheric gothic very um a quirky script the holy terror was given to tom baker to read and um like a modern script and that was the stones of venice now i question whether the stones of venice is modern really it feels very old-fashioned but anyway they're all really good scripts and apparently Tom Baker <laughs> read them and then publicly embarrassed Big Finish at a convention this is all in that book he was like they gave me these scripts and they were bloody awful like absolutely taught, taught. and I think Gary Russell my brain, I, I don't think Gary Russell ever quite got over how abusive Tom Baker was about Big Finish um, when he gave these scripts they never tried again obviously Briggs succeeded way down the line didn't he uh, Briggs and David Richardson succeeded in in bringing Tom Baker on board and kudos to them for doing that um, but then when it was done for the Safe Doctor and Evelyn uh, obviously this is Evelyn's second adventure I think um, Peg was given like the synopsis about Evelyn again but given absolute free reign to write her and do you know what I'm so pleased this is a Safe Doctor story because he didn't have stories like this on TV a nice simple trad Kind of gothic horror with some kind of comedy moments in there as well some big characters like this just this feels like like the quintessence of doctor who
3: just up ahead listen
2: <laughs>
3: what was that i don't know but i don't like the sound of it very much oh come on let's get going it's just this fog making us imagine things nothing's gonna get between me and my horlicks no wait don't it's getting nearer. Oh, it's just a bird or something. Nikki, I think we should go back the way we came. I think you could be right. Just turn round slowly and <laughs> run. run!
1: If you were gonna sum up Doctor Who, more land victims who are desperate for horlicks um you know maybe a little bit of trotting off in athens um scary monsters manor houses like it's just totally doctor who uh and i just think uh he just does a brilliant job a brilliant brilliant job because these traditional adventures they can be like we said about phantasmagoria it was very atmospheric but very insubstantial i think this had a bit of substance to it there was there was like a lot of detail in the writing about fugu's and manor houses and cults and it just it felt like it had a bit of something to it you know
0: there's a lot going on well there's pl- plenty going on for a four part mm. uh great cast it was very easy to listen to you can just follow this one through this is a really really good one if you're maybe starting out listening to big finish I would say this is a really good one to to try and the atmosphere is there as well when I first listened to this there's some genuinely scary moments
1: excuse me I think you'll find that's
0: down to the music courtesy of Alistair Locke oh yeah I'm sure um but a standout moment for me is when Evelyn, was doing the, the, the research on like the history of the place, and she says these things have happened and these sort of spooky things, and um, I don't know, there's something there's something about it.
3: Mortal Dread was my only companion. For that place, the Fogie hole has long been called a home of witches and devils. The night was passed in watchful prayer, and in the morning I gave thanks to leave that ungodly pit with my life. I reached a place known as Pen Griffon's Nap, Whereat I made a strange and wonderful discovery that brought me in mind of how near I had come to my doom. The persecutors of the King's army had made their camp beside that ancient hillock, and around the embers of their campfire, I found their pitiful remains. Torn asunder they were to the last man, whether by the onslaught of some fearful beast or by divine retribution against their wickedness, I cannot tell. I like the bit where
1: after your Horlicks woman, has died and she's recounting the story of what happened and the music is so scary in that scene It's like,
0: and the bit where the, the doctor's like um is it up the airy mountain down the rushy glen yeah. oh, that that bit where, where he quotes that it's just though that you just got that atmosphere but you've got the adventure as well and evelyn does a lot in this
1: she's really settled in just continuing from the marion conspiracy this has two fantastic twists in it as well. Twist number one is you think Mrs Moynihan is just going to be like this random character, like the housekeeper, you know, just, just the sort of person that turns up in a Doctor Who adventure, a bit over the top, I'm going to go make the coffee, blah, blah, blah. And then she's off on holiday and you think it's just, okay, that's that character, done, she's done. And then it's like, oh, we're going to triangulate the signal to all of this. It's in Athens. And then we cut to her in Athens in a wonderful sequence where uh, bless the poor woman who plays. Can you tell me, please, when you're asleep? Your oh, you is- know what? I think it's yes. Hella Goldwyn. I think it's, I think she plays
0: Nikki and the person. Hold on, How do the impression, uh, please. Which one? Hang on, hold on, hold on. Yes, Where lady. is she?
1: A ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> she's amazing. Yes, it's Hella Goldwyn as well. Yeah, oh God, she's in great. Madam, I will be back in a little minute. <laughs> Madam, cannot be serious. <laughs> I, and, and I have to say look, I've, I've written in my notes Just one line over here Mrs Moynihan rocks I thought she was incredibly good
0: Played by Susan Jameson Who also plays Mrs Wibsey In the Hornet's Nest Adventures mm-hmm. Completely different character there
2: Buster! <laughs> She's
1: great. <laughs> oh, you men, I'll go and make the tea. <laughs> She's like, she is that like yeah. sort of mad. She would not be out of place in a Graham Williams story, would she? That sort of over the top female character. No. Um, And like James Bowlham is really good, I think. But I, uh, he, he, he was okay. I, I don't think he was absolutely like stunning in the role, but he does everything that's needed of him. I like the bit where he's like, like thank Rita, you have come for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well,
0: because at the beginning, um, I always think he says Stefan, but
1: it's not Stefan, is it? Oh, actually, <laughs> it was, hang, it. On. hang on. The voice of Sancredo is a little bit comic, isn't it?
0: Well, it's again, it's, they're doing a different voice. I don't mind it. You get
1: used to it. I, I'm, I'm all right with it. that. And what was the one I was complaining about before with a really annoying voice? I can't remember what the story was. How many? There's, there's, yeah, Jesus Christ. But, um, I've got a great Sankrita uh, The sirens
0: of
2: time. Uh. <laughs> um,
1: I've got a great Sankrita quote. Do you want to hear it? Okay. This will give you an example of how good the dialogue is in this story. He goes, What is it? I do not speak of the deals. I only speak of debts. And yours to mine are long overdue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <It's great. laughs> Do you think this is a good story for the Brigadier? I do. It's unusual, isn't it? He's kind of undercover in this one as well. And he's just had such good chemistry with both the Sip Doctor and Evelyn. I think he fancies Evelyn a little bit. You know, he's always going, oh, I'm going to look after Evelyn. Oh yeah, He's got an eye for the ladies,
0: Brig. By this point, it's, it's interesting because we had such that like, gap between Mordor and Dead and Battlefield. You, you know, this is this bridges that gap of that type of Brigadier. He's that retired character, but not the one we see in battlefield it's that it's that in between version and i think it fits perfectly but he's doing it's doing incredibly amazing, relaxing.
1: i'll say that like he's he's not really pushing it he's, he's 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 very very sort of chill given you know there's a a tiny little impish monster rampaging around and lo- and ripping people apart and I like how Evelyn goes
0: off and has a lot of story on her own. And she she's got this thing where a bit like in the Marion Conspiracy where she was hanging around with the younger guys, she's got the younger guy here that she hangs around with, sort of like the student. She always finds that sort of oh, student no. character, which is nice. He was so obviously
1: abandoned, wasn't he? When you oh, think oh, so. Oh, come on. Oh, and when he was taking her back in, he was like, Oh no, we should probably go. I was like, Yeah, he's evil.
0: But in that in that scene where she's going to the house and she's looking through, in my mind, I just picture when Sarah Jane's in the place in the Terror of the Zygons. It's exactly that in my know, mind.
1: She, she smashes the, the glass window to get out and all that. She's kind of resourceful, you yeah? And yeah. she has the ability of of doing a soliloquy. So she talks to herself all the time when she's on her own. But Maggie Stables she's just so fabulous. I'd be happy for her to do a whole story. Oh wait, that's called a town called Fortune. We'll get to that in the Companion Chronicles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm perfectly totally happy. It just goes by, and this was the first Evelyn story that I listened to. Actually, uh, so this was my first experience of her, and I just loved her straight away. And she seems so settled already, and nothing still like phases her, and she's right in the adventure. And, and yeah, and she even when she gets attacked and everything. Oh, she's great. And the relationship with her and the sixth doctor as well is just perfect
1: already. Isn't there a wonderful moment, right, where he still proves to be a bit spiky, where he goes after... What's the director's name? Uh, Oh, um... You know what I
0: mean? What's his name? Toby... uh, Nicholas Pegg. Toby Longworth. No. What? Who?
1: No, the guy who's running the deke.
0: Oh, I thought you meant the director of this. (laughs) Oh, the guy's running... um, Not, um... uh, Archibald Flint, no, oh
2: my word, Philip
1: Lubgate? no, <laughs> again, Professor Morgan, thank you when he when he has a right old go go Professor Morgan, he's really vicious with him, and he's like, you know you're a bloody idiot, and then he goes off and then he comes back and apologizes, and that shows how he's kind of and it's even it says to him you know, be nice to him, we need him, she's softening his rough edges, you know. It's really nice. It's really nice. Um, the second twist at the end that's amazing, I really liked, was that this whole massive revenge plot against his brother was—it's basically like Kane in Dragonfire, completely irrelevant because he's, mm. he shot his brother <laughs> right in the first scene.
0: It's really, really good. I, this is really up there, and I, I, like we've said before, with some of these, this just doesn't compare. Well like newer one, newer big finish releases just don't compare to the quality of these.
1: One of the things That's that surprised awesome. me in that first episode, uh, that last episode, sorry, was it was really like full of murder. There was a lot of death in that last episode. The ca- like, they literally all the characters are wiped out. I think apart from the sick Doctor Evelyn and the Brigadier. But and know, this one,
0: I would. This is one I would just love to see on TV. If only there was something like this on TV.
1: But it's one of those ones where I think because it's kind of got that domestic feel to it that you can visualize it so you know more caves athens you know like a museum
0: you know, i was like... surprised i was surprised when they went off to athens when i first i thought you were gonna have your traditional in your village sort of demon style story when they were like athens i was like wow this has got international all of a sudden this is amazing
1: <laughs> Originally, right the greek um the greek tour guide ladies and gentlemen she was supposed to die as well and Gary Russell said will you just calm down from killing off all these characters please we need someone (laughs) to live so she just gets knocked out in the end and isn't it really I think it's horrible how like Mrs Moynihan is like this pathetic woman who's basically people have trodden on her all her life so now she wants to get her she wants the power of some creature to get her revenge (laughs) And the only people she loves in the whole world are her two dogs. And it's the dogs that he uses to kill her. I mean, it's just, that's, that is vile. It's horrible.
2: Buster!
1: Woo!
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's great. <laughs> <Sancreta>! <laughs>
1: <Jesus> <laughs> great. Please, if you think this is over the top, we've got Winter for the Adept next.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But my a really great cliffhanger, my favourite cliffhanger as well, is um, Nikki. Uh, on, the, on her marathon run and she uh...
2: <laughs> I've got one objection, no.
1: one objection to this is that there are long dialogue scenes in this at times that, sp- that spread to like sort of four or five minutes and I don't really object to it because the dialogue's really really good I wonder if uh, like a certain portion of the audience wouldn't have the patience for this there are moments where the pace slows right mm. down
0: I like the pace. I like that guy. You're in... It's not... But it's not boring dialogue. I don't know. I, I didn't notice that myself.
1: You're an old fugu. That's why. A fugu.
0: You are a fugu. A fugu. <laughs> yes, just four miles that away.
2: Are <laughs> I mean, you in a fugu? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I didn't notice it was like Never. The pace was absolutely fine for me. But it, it is that pace. It's like... Again, like in the Demons, where they're all in the pub and they're having a chat about, you know, all the history and everything. They do that here as well. But that's fine. That's like, that's great. With horns. Yeah, with horns. But this is, I, yeah, I just re- I really, really love this one. It's just, it's comp- I, it takes a lot to beat.
2: This. Well, I said,
1: I said for the good, I said the atmospheric domestic settings, um, six evening and brig is everything you want it to be. Intelligent, detailed dialogue, scary moments, and a great last episode. I don't think you can really ask for much more. No, I can't, I haven't got a bad
0: for this at all. Oh, there's no, I can't think what what is the negative in this story? I can't oh, think of that. Philip it. is
1: obviously bad. That's all I'm <laughs> 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 he was too nice. When people are like like um Archibald Flint is really nice in episode one, so he had to be bad and whereas um Professor Morgan's a right arsehole throughout. So obviously he's good, you know. <laughs> Mm, well, you yeah. know but no it's terrific it's really really terrific and it feels like Big Finish are getting in their groove with the Doctor Who releases now it feels like and certainly with the Sixth Doctor it feels like that's kind of click, and I, I still don't think it's clicked like I think it gets better the Sixth Doctor and even the stories on the whole but the best I, well I well yeah
0: no they do get they do this is peak for me at the moment this is peak
1: oh but what about please please Allow me one more chance before you cut me down like a dog. Mm. Oh, you're mad, honestly. What is wrong with you? Anyway, let's go on to the next one then, if we're we're done with this. okay.
0: Uh, Yeah, okay.
1: Put it up up on the screen. Disclaimer, this is Mark's favourite story ever,
0: all right? Well, okay, let's talk about it. So we have got Winter for the Adept, released in July 2000, starring Peter Davison and Sarah Sutton? Sutton? (laughs) Uh, guest starring sally faulkner india fisher and peter jurassic is that how you say his name jurassic jurassic yeah like like jurassic park hmm. this was directed by gary russell uh written by andrew Cartmill. oh my god okay we need to talk about uh, this with music around. music by russell stone yeah. we need to talk about this being written by andrew Cartmill. oh well yeah very surprising so um it's well Because he is Obviously the script editor For the Sylvester McCoy Era So And he's written He wrote some New adventures Did he? Uh For the Seventh Doctor Ace. For the Seventh Doctor Ace. So I don't think he'd written For any other Doctor and companion And I I met him actually um, And I didn't really want to The thing <laughs> is With Andrew Cartmel is All the times I've spoken to him I've just sort of Haven't really wanted to It's just sort of happened Uh, So the first time was when I bought his book when I didn't really want to. Oh, my God. It ain't
1: that book called Through Time, is it?
0: No, it's his time about... Script Doctor, the one about his time as script editor. And I was at a convention. I was walking past, and he's there with his thing. And he was like, hi. I was like, oh, hi. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, Mark. And before I'd... Before I knew it, he'd written two mark in the book. So I had to buy the bloody thing, didn't I? I didn't actually want to. I was just walking past.
2: <laughs> oh my
1: God. More, more. anyway two celebrities need to get on this? If you are a doctor celebrity and you want money, just walk around and say, What's your name? Oh, it's written in now. You gotta buy.
0: <laughs> the thing, I would say that about Andrew Conway He is very good. He's a very good hustler, that that man. <laughs> He is because then again at a different convention he was there at a table and I was like oh I've learned my lesson this time don't say your name when you walk past anyway and he was like oh I've got and he had all these other books that he does as well and he was like do you want gonna buy this you gonna buy this and I was like oh not really anyway anyway he persuaded me somehow to buy a book so I bought it and he signed it
2: <laughs>
0: shut up and then he was like oh sit down next to me let's have a chat mm-hmm. and I sat in I went round the table and sat in the corner right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, I don't really want to be here I've got, And then he sort of ignored me And I was sitting next to him behind his table And I thought, I need
1: to get out of here I don't want to be here, I've got other things to do So much, like, so th- you all right, Mark has a fabulous podcast two or two, Where he tells so many stories Where he just ends up doing things Because he <laughs> does not have the ability To say no to people I'll just say, sure. as you can't now I'm sure you're thoroughly charming But I've got better things to do in my time But luckily
0: I said I'd I'd read his book and I was like, oh, I said, um, oh, Pip and Jane, you had a bit of a trouble with them, didn't you? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you have read my book. I was like, yeah. Um, And then I thought the light bulb moment, I thought. And I said to him, you've written Winter for the Adept, didn't you? I love that story. That's my favourite story. And he was like, yes, I did. And then and then I asked him, I said, it well, you know, was it different writing for the Fifth Doctor and Nyssa in, you know, for as a different doctor companion? And he just went, No, not really. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then i was like i need to get God. out of it what
2: are you
1: talking about did you ever read that book he wrote called through time where he basically criticizes every single other era of doctor who and then goes on to like- say that every story in the mccoy era is a stone cold classic <laughs> i threw that book at the wall. it irritated me so much and there's only a few books i've thrown at the wall you ever read that one by mark campbell where he does capture I like, No, i need to shut up i'm
0: just shut anyway up. anyway anyway that's what anyway so it's very it's a, um but i I think in the writing of this one, you can tell that Andrew Carton maybe hasn't written audio scripts before, because there is a lot of description in this one. Uh, And and also, can I say, if somebody does ask me what is your favourite Big Finish story, I usually do say Winter for the Adept.
1: such a rando story to have as your favourite. Now don't get but me again, wrong. Not... I, I listened to episode one Right With a new head On my shoulders Because I know How much you love it I adore you So I thought Okay I'm going to go into this With a new head On my shoulders And fuck me Episode one Is amazingly good
0: Again It's very easy To listen to You get straight Into the story And I love the characters In this It's Your traditional Sort of everybody Sort of Almost based on The siege style In a way With some extra Extra bits and pieces I went, but I, a bit like the TV stories that are my favorites, again, I, this was one that I picked up at the time and I went to the signing for, so maybe that's why. And I remember coming home and listening to it, I had a little glass of baby sham, because I was like 13 or 14 or whatever. And I listened to this I did, and I listened to this in the dark all the way through and the cliffhanger where the doctor's like, I think we should have a seance. Freaked me out so much, I had to have a break and put the light on, and it, and maybe there's that nostalgia for me as well. Listening to it again for this, being a bit more critical, I can see why it's not the greatest in some people's eyes, especially episode You've four. Got that
1: nostalgia for it, so like, that, don't but discard your nostalgia that's lovely no
0: no no. but but it's got great atmosphere still maybe just the script is a little has a few especially like the wrap up of it but the atmosphere like episode one is really good and it builds up a great picture and a great atmosphere
1: I mean I'll say something to you right episode four is pants okay in terms of story and and twists it's really pants I, I, I can agree with that I can yeah, so it's all of like the the sort of the atmosphere and the scares and the horror and all of that and goes for science fiction. And it's just really terrible. But episodes one to three, I thought this time, I really thought were superb. Um, I think you've got some fabulous characters in this. Not so much, not so much Peter Jurassic's one, but um, what's her name? the woman who runs Sally
0: Faulkner as Miss Tremaine. Miss
1: Tremaine is, every single time she turns up, the story goes from there to there. She's so good. Hygiene is key. The avoidance of germs. We are helped in this by the clinical cleanliness of the fresh, cold, alpine air and the cool purity of the good book. We must open our souls to the word, just as we open our windows to the chill, purifying air of the alpine valleys.
0: When I woke, work, and, and she. Suffer,
1: suffer a witch to live. <laughs> Love?
0: Marriage? I cannot believe what I am hearing. <laughs> I opened all the windows and they've shut themselves again.
1: The blade is merely an instrument of the Lord. <laughs> so she's so you know brilliant. She wouldn't be out of place in a Grand Williams story either. <laughs> Look, I mean, played madly, by oh,
0: but brilliant. Played by Sally Faulkner, who was Isabel in the invasion oh, of all things. Isn't it?
1: Like it's so different. The yeah, I didn't realise like that.
2: that. Um, yeah.
1: Story, like, okay, so this story is bookended with um, what's the character's name? Alison Alison reading her diary. Is that Sally Faulkner? Because it sounds like it. I was just about to look
0: because it starts off saying "trapped in the ghost academy" or, or you know
1: or everything like that. Oh, no, but and it's I an English think... accent. I listened really carefully. It's an English accent, but I think it's Sally Faulkner doing her normal accent because she's not Scottish.
0: Yeah, it doesn't say, but I think it's it is, and that did confuse me a little bit because you do think it's Miss Tremaine saying that, but obviously. She doesn't survive So yeah, it's Alice, It's it's um, Sally Faulkner playing older Alison And then Sally Faulkner plays Miss Trameen <laughs> uh, <laughs> But this is also very um, uh, significant As it's India Fisher's first role for Big yeah. Finish
2: Well,
1: I mean, I will say she's madly over the top as well But deliriously enjoyable because of it I love it, I love it I like This the- is partly I why I love the story <laughs> straight away It was a bit where she said something right. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that is me. That is literally me where she goes, oh, well, she goes, I've learned a long time ago that if you do something badly, no one ever asks you to do it again. I'm like, go on into Fisher. I'll do that my whole life. (laughs) Um,
0: And and the French mistress as well in this is a great (gasps) character. No, she's great. She's brilliant. Oh, my little pigeons.
1: <laughs> Maybe the accent's so terrible because she turns out to be a bloody alien. Um <laughs> it's like, hello, I am the French mistress. Oh papa,
2: papa papa.
1: Oh god. So, so we are we are surrounded by kind of over the top characters that are really, really fun. Um, mm. and I think a lot of the horror-y stuff, the seance the knife there's a sequence where the helicopter gets thrown into the wind and smashed against the mountain and um orally stop it um orally the sequence is it, it just I, I felt as if i was on a mountain watching a helicopter i mean where do they get these sound effects from honestly it's a bit
0: unusual where we first meet with the doctor and Nissa in this as well, they do something different because Nissa is abandoned on the on these Alps here, and she does a bit on her own, doesn't she? Oh, it's all your fault, Doctor. It's a bit Nissa-like.
1: Well, I-, I thought in the first episode she was terrific, and I really—that was one of the reasons why I think the first episode is the best—is because she's solo, and it's given Nissa the opportunity she never really got on TV. And Sarah's really good and really likable. Then, when the Doctor shows up, she becomes this prickly old sourpuss, and she's really miserable for the rest of the story. Like, oh, the sales, oh, 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 God, we're doing this. I'm like, listen, will you cheer up a bit? You know, like, Jesus, you were never like this on the TV. I didn't notice that so
0: much, and, but it's interesting that the Doctor only turns up really towards the end of episode one.
1: I, I like that. This was the story, you know, in my little fact factettes, mm. uh, where Gary Russell says that, uh, I love Gary Russell, he's, I, I'm doing a complete 180 on him, because he's gives me so many lovely facts for this finish big, um, where he turns around and says that him and Peter Davison, like, Peter Davison was not sure about big finish. You know, remember, there's got a, a, a microphone strapped to an uplighter, and it all looks very professional. Um <laughs> And he's used to doing professional audio work, you know, the Castro Alva audio book and big BBC studios and things, you know. And they got a little dried up lettuce leaf for lunch and things for Big Finish at the moment. The big lunches come later and everyone raves about them. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, Peter Davison, basically, this is where he came on board properly. They'd gone off to a convention together, him and Gary Russell, and they started to banter and be sarky with each other and have a lot of fun. And you can hear it in his performance in this. He is having fun with this script. Um, And I think that's really, really delightful because I don't think Peter hasn't had a lot of fun on TV. I I always felt like he kind of was, he did the role because he said he'd do the role and he just got through the three years and then he was done. I know you don't agree with that. Because and he's a good enough actor, he can kind of ride over it and still deliver anyway. But I don't really think he was enjoying himself. I really felt he was enjoying himself in this story, and it's kind of infectious. It's a complete step up from Land of the
0: Dead, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah, the, just the the way that the characters come across, the way where they're performed. Yeah, you can tell in this one. This is so much more relaxed. Mm absolutely
1: um i have to say as well um, do not chastise me for this all right i'm not bang on about the music it's very important oh you, the yes score by russell stone especially ready du, 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 can you play that bit in there please <laughs> yeah Everyone i can hear I, how to, I am
0: i have to agree that the music in this is standout it's it's one of the only ones where i really do
1: remember the music yeah. This is this is like you say the best big finishing experience is headphones in in the dark. This is perfect for that. This and stories like *Chimes of Midnight and you know the scary ones are perfect for that. So what do you think of the
3: spillagers? No is another, another disturbing image for you. Just as I suspected. Doctor? Hmm? Oh my god! What is that? It was your French mistress now, however, it's reverting to its true form as a spillager. But it's vile! Run! I suggest to the kitchen. We must find peril and the lieutenant. Doctor, come back! Don't you want a closer inspection?
1: And Alison, your homework is late. I shall have to mark you down. Yeah, shit. And like when it when it becomes oh, no wait. First of all, what about that bloody ghost that turns up in episode four?
0: hard oh, I, I like that i thought it was quite a good twist that that's the problem with episode four you've got peril and allison and this sort of telepathic thing which sets off this poltergeist thing and the aliens and they're all it's all very it's a bit complicated and all connected and this does this and this and this and that's why it's a, a poltergeist and all, and all this stuff mm. um But yeah, he's just this extra person that turns up at the end. It's not as a scary threat as we thought. I mean, the the spillagers aren't scary and he's a friendly ghost. So it it sort of all just deflates by part four.
1: It was like, well, why were we scared about the scariest bloody thing in this? is Miss Tremaine and her bloody bread You know?
0: That that early episode where she's going round, shutting all the windows and opening the windows and shouting
1: about stuff. You're like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, um, we do need to very quickly, like whilst we're talking about a few issues with this, we do need to talk about um, uh, something that crops up a lot with inexperienced audio writers. And I'm surprised that Andrew can't mail, because he's a script editor, right? So dialogue, different. dialogue is his thing. So I, I really think he should have the ability to. But there's a lot of this like, oh, the tent poles, they're rising into the air oh, they're coming towards us. You know, it's like, like there is a way of delivering that without it sounding quite so like, like you are giving an instruction. But that's, but I know. Yeah. But it's,
0: how do you do Poltergeist and Haunting when you can't see stuff? Like that's why it's, I opened the windows and they've shut themselves again. And
1: yeah,
2: this is rising up. This Uh, is
0: happening here.
2: uh, how do you do
1: it? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you. All Did you roll your eyes at me? Um, The bit where the window smashes, yeah? And then all the shards rise up in it. And the dialogue, it's like, oh, my God, the window smashed. Oh, my God, the shards are riding in the air. I can see them glistening in the light. Oh, my God, they're coming towards us. Like, literally, all you needed to do was go, um, get down! Do a window smashing sound. And um, just, like, just literally have them running, like running sound effects, and have literally have the shards of glass come past the listeners ears like you don't need to describe every single step of what is going on and there is a bit of that in this because she goes at one point my god it's like the helicopter was grabbed by a giant hand in the wind and smashed against i I know
0: i know and yeah it's only when it's pointed out but i didn't i didn't notice it very much on the first listen because i think i'm you so you get into the story so much it doesn't really matter that's a little bit nitpicky i, I don't think. think so though I'm,
1: I'm going to disagree with you i don't think so because i think the the more adept audio writer someone like robert shearman if you watch uh, if you watch <laughs> he doesn't he he barely describes what's going on he trusts to the sound design and he gives you enough information in his dialogue uh, in, like in exchanges between two people but he never instructs the audience it is a skill, I think, and some people have it, and others don't.
0: We had that a little bit in Land of the Dead as well. This is just this is early on, isn't it? So, you know, stuff like Spectre of Lanyon Moor, where you say it's very domestic and they don't need to do that. But when you go into that haunting or that other other sort of realm, with you know the last time in Land of the Dead with those creatures, you have they haven't learned that yet in the production you know so you
2: know the bit where even
1: is escaping and she wraps something around smashes the window and she says and she apologises to the person who designed it but she never goes well I'm going to smash this window no and then later on uh, Archibald Flint goes to her I didn't think you had it in you to to smash a priceless window and I'm thinking if that's how you do it that's how that's like reasonable crafted dialogue you know anyway it's a small point yeah, but I do yeah. You, on audio, what do you have? You've got the sound design, the music, and the dialogue. Like those are the three things. Those are your tools in audio. Mm.
0: Sorry. But I, I still say this is still one of my favourites as well. Up there with Spectre and Lanyon Moore, this is my... And I've got here as well, um, Liz Sutherland, who played Allison in this. I've got here, look, Dear Mark, my first ever autograph.
1: Oh, my God, that's so...
0: I was first in the queue. I was first in the queue. So I looked her up and I thought, what has she done since? I've got her first autograph. I had a look on IMDb just to see what, um, what she's done. She's been, uh, she had a part in Doctors, EastEnders, Holby City. She does a lot of video game voiceovers. Um, that's about it, really. But um, I've got it's her first. Stunning
2: CV there.
0: Stunning. And she's done Winter for the Adept, which is the t- topest thing she's done. And I can't, I'm talking like peril there. <laughs> <There's a> spiffing.
1: <laughs> Mama and Papa have abandoned me here in the school. <laughs> Actually,
0: no, that's one thing as well. It's set in 1963, which uh, you don't, I, I feel like it, it, it sounds like it's a little bit more, you don't think it's that modern for some reason, because they're in the middle of nowhere. I, I, I really okay, there's the a helicopter I, and a radio.
1: It didn't sound like the sixties to me. I thought it sounded modern. This one. Oh, I thought it was older.
0: I think I fe- I feel like it was like thirties or forties in my head. Really? That's interesting.
1: Probably because of Miss Tremaine.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe. I am here I'll
1: uh... to talk- your spirits. <laughs> this <is> so good. <laughs> but like you know what, right? Take it uh, uh like taken as a whole. I said this has got a brilliantly vivid setting, great set pieces, Nissa solo wonderfully OT characters and performances. They were all my goods. My bads were crappy monsters, and they, they really are. <laughs> there's a bit where like, um, there's two of them talking together, and they've got this kind of voice that's like this, and she tells a bit like this. <laughs> like, what is going on now?
0: Well, I like their voices. I thought it was quite... Um, when you hear it on an earphones, it's all a bit squelchy. And And speaking of which... Talking about spillagers We have Drawn What we think The spillagers look like So we had a little bit Of a disagreement Because Didn't you say The spillagers was on the front Who's this supposed to be On the front This is the spirit Yeah I I thought it might have been A spillager I think it is a spillager Isn't it Oh no Oh is it the poltergeist I think that's the poltergeist What That's Harding
2: Isn't it No Because he's a man
0: He's just a bloke Okay, I'm really confused. Anyway, we've drawn what we think the spillagers look like. And I
1: think mine is probably more accurate.
0: Mine is based on Peter Jurassic's
1: spillager. Oh, okay. Mine is the the Queen Empress
0: let we just say about peter drastic actually so he was from babylon five and he's the one who had that sort of spiky hair thing like that round whenever i listen to this oh, i just imagine him with spiky hair <laughs> throughout mean. this whole thing i imagine india fisher marrying a guy from babylon five it's well, this like, really weird like,
1: like um he was asked at a convention that Gary Russell was at like do you want to be in Doctor Who and he didn't even know what Doctor Who was he thought he was signing up to do an audio med- medical drama because it was called Doctor who. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious
0: okay, anyway do, should we who wants to go first uh, well I think I went first last time so off you go okay so my spillager in my mind when they're like revealed
1: I'm going to do the music as well
3: dun, 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 dun. oh my god that is
1: that is ghoulish
3: Oh, uh, that's horrible.
1: Um, <laughs> I, but I do not think that you and I, you're gonna say that um, our pictures are the same. Okay. Are you ready for this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the hell is that? Okay, so if you could just What watch. the hell is that? At the top there I put, look, they are relations of the aliens from Morphoton from Keys of Mariners. That's why they've got the eyes. Um, mm. they've got look, 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 scary teeth. Mm. They've got this hairy, sort of bulbous body. That's oh. the so good. They're so good in the snow, because it's a snowy setting, you know. Is that their body, that big blobby round thing as well? Yeah, that's the body there. Like the bullsack. But it's really <laughs> hairy because it's in the snow, and then it's got scary eyes and teeth. Woo-hoo. Well, I can't imagine Miss Montpassant turning into that. This is Miss Monpass on.
3: My little pigeons. We are invading.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: no,
1: no, it cannot be. <laughs> you think we're in Simpatico this time?
0: <sighs> oh, my God.
1: I oh imagine these two making No, up.
0: I imagine a bit more human. I imagine sort of, sort of human-y with their, and their skin comes off. You know, and it's all about. Know like I feel that.
1: like when our art gallery goes up, I think this will take pride of place as the picture. You know, Shall we um, show Andrew Cartmel and then he can decide which one looks more like a Or spiritual? We'll enter it into the Rusty Davis Next Designer Monster Competition. It might be in, in, in an episode. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. There we go. Um, well, I um, sorry, I, I do have a few more facts for you. Oh yeah, please. So, one uh, Cartmel delivered his script to Gary Russell. He got some fabulous feedback. Basically, it ain't good enough. And um, uh, the Doctor has to do something doctorish at the end. Apparently, in the original draft, the Doctor weren't involved at all with the climax. Uh, Russell was not convinced by the Peril Sandoz romance um and so he waited- I know what, I'm not I'm not
0: anyway in I'm not really in this no, it? well mm. only because I imagine him as Babylon
1: 5 man but <laughs> maybe she likes playing with his strange hair well and also as well like they specifically state don't they that Alison is 16 and Pearl is 19. And I think that was the line that was added to make this a bit more, because if it was an old man and a 16 year old, that's weird. Mm. That's going back to Bernice series one again with Duran and (laughs) Emile.
0: It's funny as well. When Alison says that, that always stands out. She goes, she's, um, what is it? She's three years older than me. 19.
1: (laughs) She says, Thank you for spelling that out, Andrew Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Andrew Carmel was also told that he didn't describe well enough where people were in the story. And so more, for maybe some of that exposition was down to revisions. My God, we're in the staircase. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like that, uh, you know, overall, it is terrific fun. And Sally Faulkner basically takes this from a seven to a nine, just from her amazing performance. There we okay, go. Sorry, well, I've got a question for you then. Hmm. Well, why don't you rank this five?
2: Oh, ho, ho.
0: okay. This might be a little. From what best to worst?
1: Uh no, worst to best. Let's go up.
0: Worst. Whew, worst to best. This is tough because this is a lot of my favourites are here. A lot of my favourites Okay, so worst. Okay, Red Dawn. Marion Conspiracy. What? Go on. You're Genocide making. machine.
2: Oh, whatever! Genocide
1: machine is better than America's. Oh man,
0: go on. Oh, this is tough. This is so tough because this top these two. I don't know what. To... Winter for the adept. Spectre of Lanyon Moore.
1: Wow, I didn't think you was going to say that.
0: Oh, those two. Those top two are interchangeable, though. The I really. I mean, even Red Door. I just love this
1: batch. Is just oh, the the God. best. For the me, best, it's the next batch. I love the next batch. Um, okay, I, I would say <clears throat> Red Dawn Bottom, very boring. Well, competent, not boring. But next up, Genocide Machine, for sure. Sophie, Umbridge, unfortunately, she dives that down to the bottom, followed by Winter for the Adept, followed by Spectre of Lanyon Moore, and right at the top, the Marion conspiracy is yeah, you're my great, great. Great-great-grandfather.
0: Oh, I love it so much. I love it. Shall we find out what Doc O'Ho wrote about these back in the day?
1: One-ho, hey-ho, it's Joe on Doc O'Ho. Oh-ho, seems to think that this is uh, the Marian conspiracy is where Colin Baker really comes into his own with the audios. Well, I think you you haven't changed on this one at all. I think you
0: could you love Evelyn and you love the sick doctor. I think it's ten out of ten. I bet you gave it ten out of ten.
1: One of the best companion introductions ever. Doc Ojo says about Eden Smythe. Oh, Anna Rudhin gives a commanding performance as Queen Mary in turns, pitiable, compelling, compassionate, thoughtful and
0: terrifying. Did you mention Joe Castellan in your original review before you knew
1: how amazing she was? Um, unfortunately, I did not. No, standout performance was entirely for Queen Mary, I'm afraid. I'm so sorry. Well, that's changed this time
0: because Joe Castleton is the standout of this one.
1: Oh, I she? did say the standout moment was the doctor's admission to having made terrible mistakes in the past, gave me goosebumps. But I put Colin Baker is astonishing in that scene. But I don't mention Joe Castleton. Sorry. <laughs> Joe Castleton overlooked for all of her life. <laughs> all of her life, I'm sure other half don't think that the genocide machine. Oh, I say, look, I, I give each section like uh, a name. So uh, the Seventh Doctor section is always the real McCoy, and I say, oh dear, and it was all going so well. McCoy is really good at playing it quiet, but when he's asked to play righteous anger, like he does throughout this tale, it all falls to pieces. I disagree with that now. I said earlier, I thought he was fantastic in the scenes where he was, you know, that's one of the most vile things I've ever seen in my life. You know, let's see what I have to say about uh, Sophie Ace. A very poor outing for Ace and the first step into the descent of her reputation. Sophie Aldred is by all accounts a wonderful woman and she has never shied away from Doctor Who, even after it was cancelled. And she worked wonders in season 25 and 26. However, acting on audio is definitely not her forte. And after a brief taster of it in the Fearmonger, here is a whole story of her shouting and screaming poor dialogue like a kid in a sweet shop without any money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still agree with that. It's,
0: true, though. it's, it's overwritten a, quite a bit. In uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. I gave this story a three out of ten and said a hugely disappointing retru- return trip for the Daleks.
0: Would you give it a three now? Would it be
1: a bit higher now? Yeah, I'd give it like a six now. I think I, I, think, uh, over, I think a lot of these stories in this bunch are bumped mm-hmm. up because I seem to remember I gave Winter for the Adept a seven and I'd probably give it uh, an eight now. So, mm-hmm. so moving on to Red Dawn, uh, I give the standout performance to Nicola Bryan. Rarely given the kudos she deserves, she approaches the less than stellar material in Red Dawn with real gusto and proves Perry to be the best thing about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Were you actually listening to the right story there?
0: <laughs> Hello.
1: <laughs> oh, I put under isn't it odd, which is like my sort of bad stuff. Um, Justin Richards, plot master extraordinaire. So why, is he, why has he forgotten to include one this time?
0: <laughs> uh, fair enough. It, it, it Not much happens.
1: Oh, no. Oh, my God. Listen to this. Stephen Fuel is obviously the great bastard of the universe, Jason Kane. So it's very odd to hear him playing a real villain in in this story. Fuel is usually bafflingly sexy on the ear. So I used to think he sounded sexy as well. But his turn here as Paul Webster is dreary. I say he's obviously the bad guy and it's obviously Uh. obvious he will be stopped. So the Spectre of Lanyon Moore, I say that uh, can you imagine if the doctor had had this sort of development on TV? Colin Baker's doctor. God, I love Evelyn. If she were younger and blind, we could have had something great going on. We could have done. Just think Think of the children. Uh, I say it's the moodiest tale yet with a fantastic Alistair Locke score.
0: Of course <laughs> Obviously
1: And finally Winter for the Adept Peter De Davison gets a great arrival Materialising in the middle of a poltergeist manifestation Nyssa is too irritable and unlikable i still think that Grumpy old bitch um, oh,
0: Okay, hang on She has been left out in the cold And she's been abandoned Possibly at the beginning she's
1: never been so. abandoned on a mountain before uh the helicopter crash and the image of it burning on the mountainside are gorgeous oh and I say I don't understand the framing de- device that bookends the story and i kind of agree with that i'm like well it's 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 a nice way in to deliver all that exposition of where they are but you know if you were a craftsman of good audio dialogue you probably wouldn't need it gary russell himself calls the it calls it lazy lazy writing it's no different to bernice's diary entries though Bernice always wrote a diary, didn't she? So that kind of goes with her character. And now how about Mark's chronology moment? So
0: we are getting into it a bit more now. Now we're building up the, the Doctor Who story. So let's start off with Marion Conspiracy. We've got a new start for the Sixth Doctor, basically. He is a, a, a redefined character. Uh, And he's meeting Evelyn Smythe for the first time. So it's really easy. That's starting off a new season that's directly after Trial of a Time Lord. He's dropped Mel off after that. It's going straight there after his TV run. Uh, So we'll see a bit later on as they build up, you know, where that goes. But this is building up a, a nice little season of the Sixth Doctor
1: and Evelyn. I have a question. Mm hmm. So obviously, like all of these Evelyn stories are taking place post Trial of the Time Lord and pre Time and the Rani. So the only reason, the only thing you've really got to do with these stories is slot them into their own little kind of season. If you know what I mean, like where they fit within Evelyn's story, because there are stories later well, yeah, on, but then like Tabaxos they- and things like that, that take place earlier in the run. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. As we build it up, we'll
0: just double-check that they are going. But at the moment, they're just going in release order. There's no other reason to to move them around. And also then with the Sixth Doctor gets other companions later on. So is that before or is that after Evelyn? So uh, it's fairly simple early on. Next then is the Genocide Machine. Now, this one is very interesting because we've got Seventh Doctor and Ace. So... With the Monger, we put that after survival because it was going towards the sort of new adventuresy style the The key in this is Ace's character mm-hmm. because she's much more juvenile, like we've said. so this could fit quite easily into uh, season twenty five or season twenty six in in my eyes. Uh, so the question is, does it go there, maybe in season twenty six or do we start a sort of a season 27 and build up something directly after survival?
1: There's no details, <laughs> is there? There's no specific details where they say, well, we've just left Terra Alpha. Let's go to this no. car library, you know?
0: No, I know, but I'm going to put it after survival and build a new season after that, just because of what comes out. So it's going to go before the fear Manger, but after survival. Uh, so we'll put it there for now. Your brain. It's my brain for this particular one
1: okay.
0: at the moment. Well, and also you don't want to put it into season 25 because you already got the Daleks in Remembrance of Daleks there. You could put it at the beginning of season 26 and make that a Dalek season opener, possibly. You don't want to get it mixed up in season 26 with that Ace trilogy with ghosts like Curse of Fenric, and everything. You don't want it sort of slap bang in the middle of there.
1: Okay, so it's opening in season 27 until season 27 actually comes along in The Lost Stories.
0: Basically, yeah, we're just going to put it there for now okay. and see. But that is one that can easily shuffle around because there's nothing really anchoring it apart from Ace's juvenile behaviour. And then, okay, Red Dawn then. Easy to place at the moment between Planet of Fire and Caves of Androzani because it's just the Fifth Doctor and Perry. And it seems like this is Perry's... I mean, she's fairly settled. She's not too... I mean, she's had the adventure of Planet of Fire, but she's still that very early, that sort of excitable Perry, adventury Perry. So we're going to put that there. There's no other one. Another
1: question, though. Do you think this works where they squeeze in these massive loads of stories between two stories? Because in case of right, and I know they didn't know Big Finish were going to come along all these years later. So, you know, but in case of Endrozani, it does feel like they've just started travelling together.
0: I know it does. And it's a shame, but I, I love the Fifth Doctor and Perry stuff. Yeah. And I think it's worth the sacrifice of, okay, beginning of King and being a little bit jarring. Yeah. If you're going to do a marathon, you've got all the... There are going to be a lot of Fifth Doctor and Perry stories. But, because, I, but I think it's worth it. So where are we next? Number nine, Spectre of Lanyon Moor. Again, straight after Marion Conspiracy, building up a nice little Sick Doctor and Evelyn run, which I really like. Then we've got... And then we've got Winter for the Adept. Now, against we've put we've put Land of the Dead before or after Time Flight, so then this is going straight again. The only thing is you've got Time Flight, which was a bit chilly, Land of the Dead, you're in Alaska, and now she's on the Swiss Alps with <laughs> Winter for the Adept. Poor old Nissa, she's had a freezing time. When did she go uh,
2: next?
1: When did she turn up again next? Oh, it's uh, evil, I think. No, it's the mutant face.
2: Mm,
1: yeah. Mutant
2: phase. So then...
0: So then this just adds then in straight after the end of the Dead, you're building up a nice little Fifth Doctor and Nissa season Ooh. as well. So again, because we're, we're so early on, it's
1: really simple to, to slot these ones in. That season is going to feature spare parts, circular time, the game starring Sir Ian Chesterton actor, William Russell. You know, yeah. like, they, they get a pretty good run, the Fifth Doctor mm-hmm. and Nissa, before Turlow comes along to ruin things
0: so i'm going to um, build up a little season the question is how long is it is a season Uh, i'm going to base the the length of them on the tv seasons that are around them so for example this seventh doctor and a season will be about four four maybe five stories long just to fit in uh with with the tv and then the fifth doctor ones will be a bit longer to fit in sort of the length of season 19. so where where we have our season opener our, our sort of finale we'll see which stories we can we'll keep that in mind as well, just so you've got a nice flow of flow of the season to go through. So that's I, what I do anyway.
1: Well, and this is this is your thing, you know, this is absolutely your thing We're playing by your rules now. Okay, you are completely in the driving seat.
0: So, um I suppose you didn't you haven't got like the the physical CD releases of these, you've got the downloads, right?
1: Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I realized. did have the CDs. I did have the CDs, but I sold them. Oh ah, right Because
0: yeah. do you remember I've just realised Like in the in, Around this time They put A nice little photo Of some of the cast In the middle <laughs> There we go There's uh, Peter Davidson And Robert Jurassic <laughs> Great photo yeah, there
1: Peter Jurassic uh, Who would I call him? Robert Jurassic
0: Oh whatever <laughs> um, And then here Spectral Lanyon Moore I just happened to have As well a nice little oh, Picture of him.
1: Oh Oh that's lovely God, imagine a freezing with that
0: pen. Yeah. So, you have to remind me to, to check out the photos as we go along. I don't know how long that lasted. I think that's only just started with these recent releases. So.
1: Well, as I've said to you a million times, black and white are, you know, can iron out a lot of creases. <laughs> um.
0: Well, all we've got now left to do is our quiz of the, of the episode.
1: Can I do it this So, time? off you go. Time for oral... Audacity.
0: Okay, right. Let's let's see who. So it was a draw last time. We have a question for each other f-
1: per story. Per uh, story. Yeah, you didn't get the memo the first time round. Jesus. All right. All
0: right. Uh, so who's going first? Um
1: I think that you should go first. Okay.
0: According to Evelyn, what is the the secret to making a good chocolate cake?
2: You mentioned it in the bloody episode. Using
1: real melted chocolate.
0: <laughs> That's, That's way too
1: easy. <laughs> Far too easy. One to me. Okay. What are the name of the the names of Evelyn's two friends that she wants saved. That's easy. I think you have to look at that one? I can't remember now. I cannot remember. Thomas? Uh... Uh, I don't think you're going to get it, I'm afraid. Uh, what is it? The correct answer is William Leaf and George Crow of oh, course of course leave her um, alone george crow
0: the daleks count in rails as they usually do in this uh but according to the tardis uh wikipedia how long is a rail
2: second no how
0: long is a rail how long is a rail yeah yeah, how long is a rail? Oh, uh, it's one minute.
1: One minute. When the Dalek thing counts down in the movie, it's like a second. That I think the Doctor Who Wikipedia page is lying. Okay, well I say it's a minute, so wrong, so. and <laughs> so <sorry>, wrong. Also, Dorothy Whish can get that wonderful line, doesn't she? How long is a rel. <laughs> <laughs> one okay. minute. Who reputedly did the worst Dalek voice in the production of the genocide machine?
0: Ah, uh, well, you've told me that already. Oh. Gary Russell.
2: That is correct.
1: Yay. Okay.
0: So, well, well, one all, one all so far. Okay. Uh, okay, Red Dawn, yeah. what is the name of the NASA spacecraft?
2: Oh, for
1: God's sakes. I wasn't paying that much attention. Uh, the Explorer, the... The Extravaganza. Close. Oh, is it? Oh, the... Luna. We're talking true Luna Extravaganza here. <laughs> no, it's the Argosy. Of course it is. <laughs> Who is the executive producer of Red Dawn? You really swear a lot when you do this quiz. Because I know
0: it's there somewhere. I just can't. Uh, Stephen Fuel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's Jacqueline
0: Rayner. Oh, I thought you meant in the story.
1: I'm the executive producer. Wrong.
0: (laughs) Okay, can you spell the word Fugu.
1: F-O-G O U.
2: Yes, there we go. That's
1: kind of easy. I know it but... was. Spelling. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna do that next time. Okay. So in Spectre of landing War, the Doctor, uh, sixth doctor appears with the brigadier, and Colin Baker appears with Nicholas Corney on audio. Which other stories allowed doctors uh sorry doctor actors to appear alongside nicholas courtney i'm gonna need two please
0: okay well we have minuet in hell where yeah okay with the with paul McGann. what other audio is this just big finish yes What else did Nicholas Courtney do for Big Finney? Because he didn't do that
1: much. I know. When you think about it. He did appear with another actor who played the Doctor. I'm going to say it's David Tennant.
0: Yeah, and in what? In what? What other thing did David Tennant do? (laughs) Oh, in the Unit
2: series.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was a good question, don't you think?
0: That was good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's two all I make that, I think
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: Okay, what year is Winter for the Adept set in?
1: Oh, you said this earlier,
0: 1963 Yes, oh, I should have said it earlier
1: but... You keep doing that, dropping
0: <laughs> and it's anyway. oh, no, so, so you and our, our viewers can pick up and help, you know And oh. get some information and remember It's for all of us
1: here well, isn't I'm it? not simple, you know, I don't need help <laughs> I'm pretty proficient with the details. Well, my question is not as easy, I'm afraid. What is the name of the school in Winter for the Adept?
0: The Ghost Academy. No, uh, it's uh, something school for girls, isn't it?
1: (sighs) I'm going to need a bit more than that, I'm afraid.
0: Finishing school for girls in the Swiss Alps are... The... Something boarding home for girls. Oh, I don't know. The Miss Tremaine boarding
1: girls.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Unfortunately, I did not write down the answer, but I know that is not the right answer. <laughs> what is the answer? I don't know. Well, do they actually say it? Yeah, she says.
0: I'll just see if it's in the CD. Oh, it's the Tremaine school.
1: Did you say that? I don't think you really said that actually. I said it's Miss Tremaine school. <gasps> Okay, that is correct.
0: Yay! So three all. Three, three all, is it? Yeah. Oh, another draw. Oh, my God. We are as good as each other. We'll have to make the questions
1: harder, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go for, like, uh, so what uh, stories we've got in the third one? Like, in the Holy. Okay, Spirit, well, I'll, I'll tell everyone. the population of the made-up world?
2: <laughs> you
1: know? <laughs> How many people died in the eruption of Pompeii? Something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of which, then, so um next time we are talking about the next five Doctor Who releases.
2: Yes. Coming up,
0: uh, and they are the Apocalypse Element, Fire <laughs> the Vulcan, the Shadow of the Scourge, the Holy Terror, and the Mutant Phase.
1: The Mutant Phase.
0: <laughs> so that yeah, and we'll see how the how the range continues to. To grow, that a mixed bag for me for those ones. But until then, remember,
1: and I never forget this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what would say? Finish big. Finish big. <laughs> <laughs>